What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to I Came With Fire podcast. As you know, this podcast is sponsored by Red Clover Coffee. You can use our promo code CAMEWITHFIRE at checkout for 10% off. Uh, we normally recommend their Blueberry Invasion, but I recently got their Blackberry, and it's super good, too. So uh, head on over there. Get yourself some discount coffee. It's super good. You can't go wrong. Appreciate it. Shout out to Red Clover Coffee. How's it going, Rob? Pretty good, man. How you guys doing? Awesome. Fantastic. Living the dream. Yeah. Sweet. So <laughs> I, got, I got a question for you right here to, to jump in before you get to introduce yourself to everybody. But um, so somebody told me to ask you why you are such a serial caller. You don't like texting. You call everybody, even though you know it's going to induce anxiety. And um, like, what's up with that? Why is verbal communication so important? Because that's all I've done forever, man, is just communicate over over comms, right? Yeah. uh, So. And I know who that question came from. So, and, uh, <laughs> I mean, he's passing the text, right? Um, yeah. But I don't know, man. When I when I hear voices, I can understand emotions a little bit different. So if mm. I either piss them off or, or they're happy, sad, whatever. You know what I mean? It's just so that's why I call them. And plus, there's always a time difference with that person. So, and I like to call him like at 7 o'clock standard time over here in, in Central. Yeah. And I know he's in Pacific, so I like waking him up at 5 o'clock just to make sure he's getting up early for his PT. Got to make sure. Yeah. For I'm the yeah. same way. I like, uh, like being able to hear tonal infliction and stuff like that. Texting. I feel like so much gets lost in translation. So it does. For sure. Yeah. I'm a recruiter now and I, uh, most of my fellow recruiters, they text, they just text like the person, Hey, do you want to come in for an appointment or whatever? And it'll go hours, sometimes days without a response. And I'm just a huge caller. Just call them, get the response, get it over with and move on. And some of the other recruiters are like, you just call them? I'm like, yeah, I'm not anxious about it. I'm not scared of them. I'm a tech sergeant in the Air Force. They're going to answer my call, and we're going to move forward. So, Yeah. Makes I sense text to me. enough with my, with my kid, man. I text enough with my kid, and that's just like, it's super fast. And I'm like, man, adult conversations need to be over voice. Yeah. I totally agree. So um, obviously we know who you are. But uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell everybody a little bit about you. Okay. Um, man, it's a normal dude, right? Uh, Rob Gutierrez. I'm originally from, um, I always say San Diego, California, because nobody knows or like the small cities in there inside San Diego County. Um, but generally from San Diego, California. Um, I lived in National City growing up. Uh, joined the Air Force in 02 uh, uh, to be a combat controller, man. And... Uh, you know, 21 years later, here I am, you know, hey. doing the thing. So, yeah, uh, been a good ride. It's coming close to the end, but yeah, it's been a good ride. And uh, other than that, my dad got two kids, man. They're awesome. I just like do other stuff, hunt fish. I see you got that pretty sick background. compound bow back there. <laughs> bow hunt, rifle hunt, you name it. I just yeah. put meat on the table. Just got to put meat on the table. That's what it is. Hell yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty good, man. So it's awesome. Um, For the, I was going to say, for the people who don't know what combat controller is, because you kind of explain what that is, um, I get a lot of, you know, applicants who want to do it, and I try to explain as best I can, so maybe you can give me a better explanation, um, but for people who don't know what that is. Yeah, there's usually, like, a good, there's always a question, though, like, first of all, um, within Air Force Special Warfare, there's always the, the, what is it, you know what I mean? 
And then we got to break it down into four different AFSCs. And then they're like, what's an AFSC? And you're like, oh, okay, it's a job, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the combat control side, um, man, it's it's the, the, the critical air to ground link, you know, um, that basically puts out the, the air superiority, right? The firepower that we bring um, within the Air Force from an air to ground perspective. Um, combat control specific just because it's a it's a soft you know special operations uh, force uh, AFSC um, so we will work with conventional forces here and there um, but the majority is always in the soft spectrum right working right. with our counterparts you know, in the Navy in the Army Marine Corps coalition NATO whatever the case um, so and when I say air to ground link we we uh, we the the war front has changed you know what i mean so it's not it's just air land you know um in space too right we're, we're, we're talking utilizing whatever out there to get get that link to put fires down on the objective um that's that's like our big sexy mission you know what i mean is, is definitely is the joint is the joint terminal attack control um or terminal control uh, type piece but um there's a there is a need, um, and there's always a need for it. Eventually, is um, man, we're our model is first there, right? And there's always the argument between the other services, right? Like, uh, like who was who was there first? And yeah. for us, we look at it this way: um, in order to bring follow-on forces and, and, and initial pushes and things like that, you know, we want to land aircraft and stuff like that. Well, you, you have combat control, right? That comes in. Um, everyone's AOV credentialed as an air traffic controller. Um, for austere airfield control, um, either jumping in, what whatever method of employment we got to do, come in, set up the assault zones, land the aircraft, and bring everybody in into the fight. Right um, now, there's there's other portions too, um, like the recce portions and things like that, and and mm-hmm. that can, that varies. Um, we have uh, subject matter experts that are doing recce in different capacities. Um, we have a special reconnaissance type of you know AFSC that does other stuff in that in that uh, arena. Um, the combat control, basically, you know, uh, every method of employment that you can think of. So whether it's with your legs in the water, you know, on the ground, like, you know, when I say in the water, like finning, diving, whatever, to get to the objective, um, through the air, whether it's a static line rig, jumping out of an aircraft, um, to, you know, times have changed to double back static lines and, and free fall methods to get in, um, repelling in fast roping and you name it, we're going to. We're gonna get there and uh, and get the job done. So, uh, I would say uh, communications experts. When you're talking radios, you know, finding that communication to get that um, information up to the aircraft or to whoever needs it. Um, we always find a way to do it. So, um, whether it's it's updated different types of radios because radios are consistently changing, especially from when I first came in uh, to now. Um, but we're always like on the new one. And working it and, and getting it down, um, and uh, man, we we're just a uh, we're really good at a lot of things. So and uh, for us, yeah, it's are. always the that the ability to adapt and and to go into any environment. So um, a lot of our combat controllers that are always assigned to, like I said, to you know uh, Green Berets, you know SEAL platoons or, or whoever, Marsoc Raiders, whoever the case, you know blending in, holding a standard being able to to do the job and do it well and provide that um that air force technical 
expertise that they, they just don't have because you know you you will talk to other ones and there's other there's other services and they're and they're good you know they're good there's they they got some other services got good jtax and things like that um but nobody does austere earth control like us that's your yeah. job it's our mm-hmm. that's our piece right um and uh, we just happen to be some of our guys are just really good jtax you know um and when it comes down to it you know other services do it but we do it for a living they do it as like a tertiary or you know fourth job you know because right like two primaries of doing something else so that's why our guys are just really good at it um and it pays to, you know the term we use a lot is pays to be a winner so when you're in the air force and you got all <laughs> the and you can get the air and you can work it and everybody else is asking for it but we're working it already we just have it all the time you know hell yeah um man so, um yeah when it's, when you read about you guys online like what you said you 100% you guys are described as jacks of all trades because you guys literally do everything. And whether, like you said, you're attached to like an, an ODA, uh, the Green Berets or whatever, that they need your capability and your expertise because you guys really do bring um, so much to the table for the fight and then a totally different technical element and expertise than other people can. So you guys are, you know, that it's something that is is well known that, in the Air Force, you guys, you know, we know who combat controllers are, but you guys aren't as well known, and it's kind of crazy because you guys are literally one of the most instrumental pieces on the battlefield, and you guys can reach so much havoc, you know what I mean, on the battlefield, and just lay it down. So, yeah, during the during the GWAT um, era, um, they we prided ourselves in being force multipliers, right? You can come in with all the guns and ammo and all all the stuff you want, right? But when you bring one individual that is skillfully trained to uh, to provide that close air support and that terminal guidance type of capability with whether the equipment he has or, or whatever, right? But the knowledge and skill that they come in, and you take one person that can bring the effects of so much firepower in just a short period of time and masterfully do it with multiple aircraft and get those effects, that one person is just as equivalently strong as a complete company of soldiers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just one person, right? You're just smashing enemies left and right. Um, So we look at it as just more of a force multiplier. And then on the same time, communicating with other higher echelons or um, across the pass information. So, yeah, uh, because on the battlefront, information is key, right? You know, intel and information is key. Um, and when you got it and you can get it and you can pass it and everybody knows is on the same page. Yeah. Um, man, you're just that, that much more helpful. You guys got to know, like, what sort of firepower you're calling for and know that you can't have certain things drop because it'd be too devastating for how close you guys are to where those are they're happening. And, you know, Correct. just directing strafing and, you know, all of that. It's it's. It's one of the most impressive things when you hear somebody talk about what they do as a combat controller to me. Yeah. It's just super impressive. Mm-hmm. A lot of multitasking. Definitely. Yeah. So prioritizing um, certain tasks. Right. So what what's the story that led up to you deciding to join the Air Force and then like why CCT specifically? Ooh. So for me, um, man, I was a I was a meter reader for San Diego Gas and Electric. So I graduated high school and I, I tried to go down some, uh, I hadn't really found myself yet, I guess you would say. Um, I had a passion to do some other stuff. Um, my dad was a, was a really good um, car painter in the paint and auto body industry. 
is mm-hmm. really good. And I grew up watching that, right? So I decided to do that for a little bit. And then uh, and I worked for him, and it was great. I just was like, man, I want to try something else a little bit. So I got this job as a meter reader. Um, and then, uh, you know, I was relatively fit. I, I always, you know, just went to the gym like anybody else, good for runs, whatever. And living on the coast, yeah. I'd, I'd go ride and, um, and things like that. Um, and then uh, um, as a meter reader, you just, man, you would – you would hit sometimes like, you know, you get your, uh, you get this device basically. Okay. It's like a, it's like a, I would say, um, back in the day we just had this thing called a Game Boy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, love Game Boy. Back, yeah. Same. But it, it was like three times the size of that thing. Right. But it would told okay. you how many meters you had to read, you know, and then you'd see it and you go, Oh crap. You know, you only had like 400 meters. That meant, that meant, like you had so much space in between homes and things like that because uh-huh. you had to go read the gas and electric meter and you'd be like, dude, I'm so screwed. Today's going to be a long day. Yeah. And then you see something like 1,600 meters and you're like, oh, sweet, apartment complexes and like condos. <laughs> I, you know, if you ever like, um, you ever live in an apartment or anything like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. So you don't see your electric meter yeah. and there's mm-hmm. rooms in there that are attached to you and they have like 40 or depending on how many numbers, like 40 or 50 across the board in rows. And then, dude, you can knock out 200, 300 meters in just, like, five minutes. And wow. And when you have, you know, because you're just sitting there just by reading a, a certain um, practice of how the dials go. Okay. And you're just like, oh, 272, oh, you know, 162, or whatever the case, and you just plug them in. You know, it was, it was like the, it was my first version of texting because you just numbers. Your like, <laughs> hands got really used to it. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, you'd knock them out real quick and then go to the, you know, the next one's like a mile away. Okay, just walk, run to that one, do it. Dude, you get paid for eight hours and you get the job done like in five. And the rest of the day, you're just like hanging out. You just go home or whatever. That's awesome. So, <laughs> so it was cool. And then, uh, man, I remember uh, I was I was living in an apartment and uh, I woke up and I only had this, you know, lame TV in my in my living room. And uh, I woke up and I saw what was happening on, on September 11th. And I was like, crap, what is this? And I just got super po'd about it no doubt how old are you at this time man i was uh 21 21 okay yeah so um and uh i was i was vehemently upset and um so many people were and and i was just like what 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 am i gonna do you know what i mean so um I really did that. I'm like, dude, I'm pretty sure someone's attacking us. Now we're going to go to war and I want to go. So uh, I called the office and said, hey, man, um, you guys see what's going on TV? And to like the the uh, the station that you mm-hmm. go check in. And they're like, yeah, we see it, whatever the case. I said, man, I'm going to go talk to a recruiter. And they're like, what? I said, I'm going to go talk to a recruiter. And they were like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to talk to a recruiter. I'm going to join the service. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, they're like, well, you still got to come into work. I'm like, okay, but I'm going to go do this first. And they're like, nah, you know, um, can't do that. Got to come in. I was like, yeah, right. Well, what if, what if I don't? And they're just like, you're fired. I'm like, oh, too late. I quit. You can't fire me. You can't fire me. You can't fire me. Yeah. So it was just like a spur of the moment thing. Like, bam, you know what I mean? Wow. And then, uh. They try to call me back and stuff like that, but I didn't. I didn't someone else has got to read these meters, bro. I'm going yeah. to the recruiter. <laughs> so I went. Go to Sergeant uh, Smith's office. Yeah. So 
I, I just literally just didn't go to work, man. I just quit basically. Damn. And, uh, um, I went to the recruiter's office and like all of them were closed. So except of course. I noticed, I, I noticed this, uh, this dude bebopping into like the air force one. And I was like, Hey man. And he was like, Hey, what's up? And I was just like, dude, uh, are you a recruiter? And he goes, yeah, right here for the U S air force. And I was like, sweet man, can you get me a job? And he's like, we got tons of jobs. I was like, sweet. Cause I just quit. <laughs> I just quit mine. <laughs> I need, a, I need a job real fast. That's funny. Um, and uh, he's like, yeah, sure. Coming in. So there's nobody there. Right. He You're goes, what we call a unicorn walk-in. Those don't ever happen. <laughs> so I'm like bebopping in. I'm like, all right, cool, man. And I was just like, so what do you got? You know what I mean? He's like, um, he's like, oh, we have all kinds of jobs. I'm like, dude, I want to go fight. And he was just like, um, I guess he would say like a, like Scooby-Doo does. He was like, rut row. You know what I mean? Like, what? He kind of looked at me. He kind of looked at me awkwardly. I'm like, yeah, dude, there's, dude, we're, we just got attacked. We're going to war, man. I want to go, dude, I want to get in a fight, whoever we're fighting. And, um, uh, at the time, man, he was just like, uh, he's like, okay. And he goes, you do know this is the Air Force, right? And I'm like, yeah, you guys have something, right? Um, And he goes, yeah, I do. But, you know, honestly, no one's ever made it. And I was just like, what? And he goes, yeah. And he pulls out these old school pamphlets that we have. They're really corny, you know, that we had back then. Zach and knows them. Like, and he goes, yeah, here's, here's our pararescue one. These guys, uh they go and like save people and stuff like that and uh, rescue them. And, and then these guys, they do like, they, they land aircraft, like in the picture here. And then, you know, I'm pretty sure they shoot people and they drop bombs and stuff. And, and these guys, I'm pretty like, sure. Oh. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so that guy's like, a, like a medic or something like that. And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, Oh, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want, I don't like blood like that. I don't want to, no, I'm not here to save nobody. I want to go fight. And he's like, okay, we'll try out for this. He's like, but the requirements the same. I was like, okay. I was like, well, what's the requirement? You know what I mean? He's like, you got to you gotta run. You got to do some push-ups. You got to do some pull-ups. You got to do some sit-ups. And you got to do a swim. I'm like, oh, I can. He's like, can you swim? I'm like, yeah, I can swim. And um, he was like, okay, cool. Well, then uh, you, you want to go tomorrow? And I was like, I can't, like, sign up today and, like, start getting paid, man. And he's like, no, it doesn't work that way. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> I was like, I literally quit my job today. Here's um, your beret. So, um, <laughs> so then uh, – um, I go to this uh, Marine uh, air base in Miramar. I meet him. Hmm. And uh, and he takes me to the track. And I go in there. And, man, when you're a meter reader, sometimes you just run, dude. You're running from house to house. So at car all day. people. Yeah. Oh, oh, believe me, dude. Yeah. I've had I've had some run, I had some run-ins. Dogs <laughs> were worse than they chase you. And it's like, dude. Oh, shit. <laughs> but, um. Thought it was just but, my uh, hands. Yeah, no, man. Um, but uh, so I crushed that. Runtime was fine. Push-ups, pull-ups, and sit-ups were fine. Then I go to the pool, and uh, and it's just 500 meters. I'm like, oh, it can't be that bad. I surf. I ride all the time. I swim. Dude, it was uh, when keeping it real goes wrong. That's what wrong. everyone thinks. Yeah, when keeping it real goes wrong. Dude, I was dying. <laughs> oh, and uh, so I finish up, and he goes, hey, uh, just to let you know, the doggy paddle is not the, not an authorized uh, method of swimming. And I was just like, oh. what, dude? And he's like, yeah, you didn't pass. I'm like, oh, shit. Damn it. I was like, what yeah. I got to do? He's like, you got to wait three months, dude. He's like, you got to wait three months. Back then, you got to wait three months before you come in. I was like, crap, what am I going to wow. do? And he's like, I don't know, but you got to learn how to swim. So I was like, shit. So um, 
I was like, okay, well, I'll figure it out. So, uh, man, I drove to the public pool in my, in my city and I went over there and I was like, yo, I, I kind of need to learn how to swim faster. And, uh, <laughs> they just kind of looked at me like kind of weird. I was like, look, you guys, I, I don't have no money to go pay for lessons, but I'll do whatever I got to do. So the manager there was like, yeah, I got a job for you. We'll teach you how to swim. Um, so basically I cleaned shitters. I swept floors. I cleaned the pool. I threw trash out. I did everything. And they basically, those lifeguards and some of them just taught me how to swim. Like I'd show up early before wow. like open swim for the public. And, um, I just learned how to swim better. And I told them I need to, I need to swim 500 meters in this time. And they're it's like, called oh, that's doing easy. what you need to do. Right. So they, you know, that's what I did. And that's another thing I learned, like public restrooms. Like I hate public restrooms because oh. they're just dirty. Cause yeah. I cleaned them from dirty ass kids. Especially the, at the, the pool. It's yeah. so much yeah. more wet than everywhere <laughs> else. You know, yeah. it's gross. Yeah. It's just um, humid. Yep. Um, it was disgusting. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I did all that. And then next, you know, I went back, um, I, I ended up just because uh, I had some time. So my buddies worked at a restaurant and I went and got a job there. I worked at night. I would, I'd go from my place. I'd run to the pool. Um, nice. I'd work, then I'd swim, and then I'd run home. And I would just time myself over and over, like the distance. Um, wow. And then I wish more up. applicants had like a drive like that. Because like some of the people trying to join today, you'd be like, hey, I need you to just fill this form out and bring it back to me next week. And it's not done or anything. It's like, come on, like have some purpose, have some drive for what you're going for. Like you're cleaning shitters and doing everything you need to do to get there, to get that thing you wanted. And like, that was yours and you weren't going to let anyone get in your way. It's, yep. it's, it's insane. To so it's, Sorry, um, I just had to put that out there. It's funny you say that. Cause um, I, I'd like to, um, with your experience and stuff like that, um, I have this talking point with a couple of friends of mine that um, like some of them have kids and, and, uh, and they're mostly civilians. Um, but th like their kids are like struggling and all this stuff and they stay at home and they kind of just don't do anything. I'm like, your kid's not desperate enough. They're just like, what? And I'm like, they don't have desperation. And they're just like, mm -hmm. what do you mean? I'm like, when you're desperate, you, you'll get it done. You mm -hmm. either go two ways. You either sink or swim. You know, mm -hmm. and they're just not desperate enough. I was like, because you give them everything and you were, we're parents and I get it. But sometimes you have to make it hard. Like they got to learn that lesson. Sometimes learn them later. And they're like, well, COVID. I'm like, nah, man, that's just bullshit. I'm like, yes, they, they could, you know, but besides that, um, it's very true. Yeah, I was like, I was, I was fucking desperate, man. I didn't have a, I didn't really have a job. I was working at night, um, at the old spaghetti factory, waiting on tables and stuff, barely paying the bills, you know what I mean? Um, and then, uh, you know, just into the point where I shipped out, I went back, pressed the test, and I was like, I want to leave fucking tomorrow. Yeah. And he's like, Well, you got you got to leave like in March or something like that. I'm like, Fuck. Uh, right. Fuck. I'm trying to do Come this, on, dude. So, um, yeah, I just bounced, and then, uh, yeah, and then I left. I passed it and I left. You know, and um, it was funny because I used to, I used to ride out in Imperial Beach and stuff like that, and uh. La Jolla and Mission Beach and all these all these places in San Diego to go surf. And when I'd go ride in Imperial Beach, I'd go I'd I'd come up the coast and just to catch better waves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I would see these you know, you see a group of like thirty dudes all carrying like, you know, ribs, zodiacs and stuff like that. 
They're just carrying these zodiacs. I'm like, those guys are stupid. Look at them. Why would they carry a fucking boat like that? They're some idiots. They're just on the, why don't you put the boat in the water and go? Like, yeah, such idiots. Yeah. And I didn't know. Like, you know, two years later, I'd be in Herbert Field and do the coastline. They're doing the same thing. Going, I'm so fucking stupid. Why am I carrying this, this shit, man? This is what you know? they were doing. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Getting my ass to me. Yeah. Um, because I'm not a tall dude. You know what I mean? And when your team right. is full of tall dudes, you're just like, carrying. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, Fuck. yeah. Um, but uh. Yeah, so then that's really what what drove me, man, is just that I kind of felt like there was a, a war was coming and I wanted to do a part. I was angry and I just wanted to go, you know, get into it. So that's why. Really. Yeah. Um, plus, I'm the, I'm the oldest boy in, in my family and mm. I had two little brothers. And I don't know. I look back now. And I'm like, fuck, I kind of ditched my brothers to go do this. But I mean, I still set an example, you know, Absolutely. my little brother serves right now. He, he, he does really well um in his career field um yeah so it was good you know yeah no i was just gonna say that when you said because i'm the oldest too and uh you know you you through the life you've led you created an example for them so but uh so you don't have to go like too in depth but like what was the training pipeline like back then because i'm sure it's different than it is today so basically the the easiest way i sum it up now is is um so we were extremely effective back then, right? Um, but man, every every school you went to and every like everything every day was selection. Every day. Yeah. Every day you had to put out. Right. Every day you had no breaks, right? There was no there was like pseudo programming, but mm -hmm. it was all like triathlete based running or whatever the case they were probably using and stuff like that in comparison to what we have now. Right. Um and back then and everybody got weeded out, like, throughout the process, throughout the whole way, all the way to the very end to the apprentice course to combat control school. Um, and because uh, it, it, you know, it mirrored, like, indoc, right? Mm -hmm. um, except on the mm -hmm. combat control side, we had, we had a combat control um, orientation course, and they just crushed you, right, for, I think it was, like, 10 days. And then Jeez. after that, you know, you got lucky if you got to go to, like jump right after and get a slot for that. And then you went to Sear. And then after that, you went to air traffic and air traffic was at a Keesler. And I will say though, like when I, when I went to air traffic, when I finished that school, I was probably in the best shape of my life. Like believe it. it you, you were just a monster. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but man, you, you lost people along the way, man. People to make the cut people, some just people just quit. Mm -hmm. Um, some people weren't, you know, academically able to do it. So, um, cause while you're in the pipeline, you know, the regular air traffic students are, they're just living their life, man. That's a regular tech school for them. They're just going mm -hmm. to air traffic class. Like we were waking up at the butt crack of dawn to work out, get crushed, get yeah. back, haul out, take a shower, get dressed, grab our, grab our, our rocks and all this other stuff. And then get to class and then me in class, like half dead. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. cramped crammed all that air traffic knowledge into your brain test out do this go back um study all night and then sometimes have other taskers to do you know what i mean and we were kind of kept on a tight leash back then we didn't have the same opportunities to go out and mingle and just socialize we just which is good in my opinion sometimes too because it, yeah. it forms a um a connection with your teammates because you're oh you're the only ones you can talk to like you're the, you're you're segregated from everyone else from society but you have to make it work, mm -hmm. right? And it's forced to yeah. help you. 
and help each that other. That makes sense. So, um, and then graduate that and then go to combat control, the apprentice course and Pope. And then over there too, man, like, um, we used to run, um, a, uh, a stress inoculation for the first week and man, it was just getting crushed, you know, and it, it, it still did it. It, it weeded out those like you took this the small skills that you learned um in the pipeline like in bits and pieces and, and try to collaborate and put it together while learning other um types of uh training items and things like that and put it together mm-hmm. and then get into the tactical realm and stuff like that and and that was a man i think when i went to combat control school i think we started with like a class of like 35 but we only graduated like 12 damn um but up to that point though i mean tons of people were in the pipeline they all just you just see them fall out like just fall by the ways and and i wasn't by any means like the strongest or fastest um i kept i kept up but um yeah we still make the cut you know the cct Um, pipelines and pj pipelines uh have some of the highest attrition rates across the board mm -hmm. all the all the Mm -hmm. branches you know and that's something right. I hear um, from instructors that have been at the course or the people that have, you know, that do those professions that you don't have to be the biggest or the strongest. It's about willpower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, really what it comes down to is um, is determination, willpower, grit. We use the term grit a lot, right? But, okay. you know, everyone has a different definition for grit, in my opinion. Um, are you dedicated be really do, do you have it the, the dedication to, to see it all the way through right um me personally i just couldn't go back home and say i quit like i wouldn't be able to look at my parents and be like oh well i quit you know like mm. nah they just never let me quit anything when i was a kid you just like even if it was a sport that i didn't like they're like you're gonna ride this whole season out this whole thing that you're gonna do it and i'm like damn you know i've heard that so, before um, and that was that's how it ran you know so mm-hmm. yeah but in comparison to in recruiting in recruiting like i see a bunch of different types of people and i try to like guess i've sent a a few i think about nine or ten to sw i try to like guess like is is this guy gonna make it or is this guy gonna make it Mm -hmm. and usually the one i guess that's gonna make it is the one that doesn't make it at all it has nothing to do with like their like saying their physical prowess anything like that it's always the little small scrum kid who's like from the middle of like farmland upstate new york who makes it the the buff bodybuilder dude quits like a month in or something like that yeah um yeah it really comes down to how bad you want it right desperation you know know? um because i I mean i looked at it this way too like you know if if i didn't because i was on a gtep contract you know what i mean um but you know, if, if I didn't make it, what was I going to do when I go home? Because that chances are I, I didn't want to, I wouldn't want to stay in the Air Force. I would have wanted out, mm-hmm. you know? Probably not me to read. Um, yeah, so I didn't want to be a meter reader. I didn't want to go to back to paying not a body. Mm-hmm. I, I just didn't, I was like, um, you know, when I look at it now, I'm like, dude, I burned the boats. Hell yeah. There was no, there was no return. Like you either make it, mm-hmm. that's all, you either make it or you make it. Yeah. Like there is no, there's no, there's no other alternative. You know what I mean? Um, and at that point too, um, man, everybody in the pipeline was super competitive and that was great because you just, um, 
bunch of eight personalities. Yeah, and you just strive to beat each other. And it's not mm-hmm. a, like a personal ego thing. It's like you want to get better, so you're going to chase somebody and just like chase them when you're running, you know? Um, and you want to beat their time and you like that, and you're just getting better and better. And it's, it's that, that competition is driving, you know, the so best iron sharpens the iron. Time. Yeah. So it was cool. So get all the way through. Right. Well, I couldn't imagine because I know that they say that air traffic control in general is one of the most stressful jobs in the world. But having right. to learn how to do that on top of getting up every morning and getting the shit kicked out of you, going to class when the last thing you want to do is probably sit there and listen to someone teach at you. And then going home, having to study, knowing you're going to get up and get your ass kicked all over again the next day. That sounds you know, exponentially more harder than having to just go to class every morning after hitting up the DFAC and then, you know, getting off mm-hmm. and going to going downtown, you know, <laughs> we're going to have a good time. Yeah, no. Not at all. That sounds wild. Yeah. Well, I combat mean, controller right now, I think is like a sixty. I think it's a sixty-four percent washout rate right now. Is combat controller? Damn. Um, if I remember correctly, well, or do you know we, for sure, Rob? No, we look at the numbers right now. And I think we're 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 back up to like around like a. Initially, it's it's around seventy something. It's in the seventies now. Okay, so it's gone um, up. Yeah. Now, granted, I know PJ's real high too. PJ's like a ninety-something percent washout rate. Um, well, based on the way we do it now, um, most of our attrition is is out of our assessment and selection course. Hmm. Yeah, the majority that's true. Of it. We might have a couple here and there in pre-dive and in dive school. Actually, we have zero attrition. I don't think we have any attrition in dive school. Um, wow. And our apprentice courses don't really attrit because we pretty much weeded mm-hmm. them out in the beginning. Um, because I will say that the the like. People look at the A and S course, and and you know there, there's old, old, uh, old guys out there and stuff like that. Whether it's on the combat control side or PJ side, they're like, "Oh, Indyk was this and that." I'm like, "Yeah, it was right." But you know, think about it. You know, there's some individuals that were like broken, and they were in I don't know week eight of Indyk, and they missed the runtime with like complete stress fractures in their legs. Yeah, busted up and they missed the run by one second. They're like, "You're out." You know what I mean? Now, so ridiculous. you know, imagine what that that individual was willing to endure, all that effort and crush it and get out and miss by one second. Yeah, like that person we probably should have kept because they had enough grit. They didn't even quit. They just missed it by one second. Mm-hmm. And, and and don't get me wrong, the standard is a standard, right? It is what it is. Yeah, but the way we train them now and the way we're able to see certain things now we can go okay let's uh let's heal this guy up correctly and give him a like a clean shot you know mm-hmm. give him a fair um, shake yeah so but um man our our ans is no joke like believe it i've gone and watched it and those dudes get crushed like i uh, i look at it and they're like oh, do you want to you want to try it out i'm like nope no thanks <laughs> been I'm there like, been there done that yeah, i'm good <laughs> Appreciate that, but no, I'm good. Here's my beret. I'm leaving now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they, uh, yeah, those guys get crushed, man. And uh, I believe it. Those guys do. Those guys do a great job, you know, running it down there too. Um, um, we we it took a long time to get it to where it's at. There was a lot of failures. There was a lot of mistakes. But I kind of look at it this way. I'm like, man, it's like a recipe, you know, for something like it's to get it to perfection. It's going to take a lot of time and effort and resources and changing and changing of it until we just start tweaking that thing until it gets better and better and better. And those guys do a great job at the, uh, the three fifty 
um, especially sounds, for training squad down there. It sounds like you guys had a lot of leadership that can actuate some of these tr- these um, trainings, um, you know, and listen to your instructors and say, hey, here's how we should change this up and be a little bit more realistic with some of these things. It sounds like you guys had good leadership to allow you guys to make some of those tweaks, like you said, you know, and evolve in a healthy way for training. Yeah, it's, uh, there was, there was a lot of change, you know, um, there's, there's always like, especially when new people come in, it's fresh perspective, right? And it's good. Mm -hmm. But also too, like, um, I really think about sometimes like when we make change, um, you know, this, this, let's test it for a while before we change it again. Yeah. If you change it once, you know, and you don't know the real outcomes of why something didn't work, like run it two or three times and then make a change. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Because then you can get better data and understand why. So Yeah. But sometimes the first time you try something new, it doesn't work. You need to kind of let it work its kinks out and see where if, you know what I mean? Like it's the first time we've all tried this. Of course, there's going to be some limb facts. 100%. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you are correct. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, man, um, that's, that's pretty much it, man. I give those guys a lot of credit down there. They do a lot of great work. So they're, they're, they're still producing, you know what I mean? And the thing is like, when we tell you and other people like, like nutrition's really high, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's not, we're not doing it on purpose. Like the course itself attracts people, mm-hmm. the, the course and the way it's developed and designed attracts people. You know what I mean? Um, the instructors don't, the, the, the course does and that's where where it comes to play right and you have to understand that you know as as nice as it would be for us to have like 100 percent pass rate yeah that'd be great but the reality says that no the yeah reality says no that yeah. that's not feasible right so you got to be okay with the attrition you can always you can always you know put more people in and things like that but there's always going to be attrition because not everyone's mm-hmm. built the same. No. You know? And when you have a job like that, as close to the tip of the spear, right, as you are in the level of expertise and, and uh, that you guys have, you have to be exclusive. Otherwise, you're lowering that standard. You know, you're going to have lower quality of work if you're just letting everyone do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, 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 uh, and these are, <clears throat> by the way, I don't know if I got to put a disclaimer out. Like, these are my own personal thoughts and my own thing. Not as, not as Chief Master Sergeant Gutierrez, you know. Sure. Um, Who's that? But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of people out there that are like, I don't know why you can't produce more. Just let these guys through. I'm like, because you don't understand. Because y'all never, y'all never walked the walk. You know, yeah. um, y'all never had to, 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 to put guys out in the battlefield and, and do what they're, we're, what we're going to ask them to do in a specific reason, you know? Um, And then on top of that, you know, do what we do, plus go to other units that even drive a higher standard. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And those guys do phenomenal work, right? That's never ever, you know, obviously it's never published or anything like that, but those guys are doing the real mission. That takes a very specific person, right? To go do that work. Um, And, uh, you know, senior leaders sometimes are just like flabbergasted. They're just like, we, we just need more production. Eh, I, I get it. But we'd rather have quality. Easier said than quantity. done. It's, Absolutely. And it's a lot easier said than done, you know? Or, well, we have technology. I'm like, you, you know, at the end of the day, um, I had this analogy. Somebody, um, I had a, had a senior leader, um, was talking to me like, well, we have so much technology to change and do all this stuff and we can produce more. I'm like, you know what? I said, in one of the worst 
spots that I've ever been in, I had zero technology. Do you know why? Because they were jamming the shit out of my stuff. And I said, you know what I went back to? A, a damn map and compass. Under extremely stressful, high, intense, like, gunfire going at it. And I had to whip out a map and compass and pull grids and determine and, and make comms, you know, off the very basics. And I said, you know, we, we so sometimes we should stick to fundamentals. Absolutely. I had a senior leader one time. We were kind of having, I guess, almost an argument about what the future is going to look like for the Air Force and the military in general. And um, she was, this person was trying to convince me essentially that the next conflict is going to be an online conflict. It's going to be a cyber war. And I was like, you understand that the the internet and all of these things, the connectivity of devices, that they can fail and they will fail. And when that happens, it's just us. It's just human beings doing what human beings will do to win. And that can mean literally anything. And it's Mm -hmm. just like that concept is not hard to grasp, but it, it does. It seems to be something that people don't understand that eventually it's just boots on the ground. It's just you and me trying to do something. Yep. 100% right. Um, cause I said, uh, individual was a flyer. I was like, do you give a final check ride for someone in the simulator? Like, you're like, he does all his training in the simulator and then you put him in a jet and then he flies. He's like, Oh, that's be ridiculous. And I'm like, Oh, look at that. And I was like, there you go. <laughs> you did it. I was like, yeah, yeah. Like the fundamentals, you still have to learn how to fly the plane. Right. Mm-hmm. In reality. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, it goes back and forth and, and I get it. They have the best, you know, they want the best, but they just don't always understand. So, yeah. um, but it's, but it's our jobs to like you know go out there and give them the best advice and tell them you know what I mean. No doubt. So, yeah. So you, where where you would you say? Popular, by the way, you guys say that popular, one more time. By the way, I've been I've been <laughs> I've been uh, jumping on your guys' podcast and listening to it and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool, man. You got some. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. thanks. That guy's that guy's dope, dude. Dude, Mr. Prado is yeah. dope. Yes, he is. Yeah. I honestly like can't believe just learning about him after reading his book that I'd never heard of him before. And it's like the CIA did Likewise. a good job keeping you in the shadows, like your book says. <laughs> you know, I was I talking to Gresham. He uh, he still emails me back and forth. I tell Gresham, he's like my he's like my uncle now because he'll like tell me about his day, <laughs> and I'm like, that's awesome, Rick. Good job, man. <laughs> yeah, he's a really great down to earth dude. Just cares about people he interacts with. Yeah. That guy's that guy's awesome, man. And he is. You know what? That's a great thing. You know that America, the melting pot that it is, we have those individuals. You know what I mean? Right. They're still here. They're still they out are. there. You know. Um, but it just uh, figure out when they come out. You know what I mean? That's so, honestly, I've said it before, and then you know, talking to other guests that we've had on that the people that come to this country are what make it what it is. You know what I mean? And all the different perspectives and, and abilities and life, you know, life paths that people have taken make the United States the great place that it is. It's it's people like Rick you know, who come over here on this crazy Peter Pan program, you know, and then endure what they endure and then go and then the name of the United States and for all of us kick ass, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like he is, he's an amazing person. Yeah, there's um there's some good people out there, man. Um I got a friend of mine, he's from Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And uh and that dude is just a gosh dang, he's such a smart guy. Mm-hmm. And uh and 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 he talks about like he he's about to retire and he was pretty successful in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. Um and go about do his thing and I used to I used to chat with him, I was like, What what is it? And he's just like 
you have we have so much opportunity here and we waste it he's like i come from my and, and he still has an accent and you know i talked to him and he's like i have you know i come from nigeria with nothing he's like i walked with i, I didn't have shoes until i was like almost an adult wow he's like, i didn't have shoes and he goes here you can literally get shoes easy you know and uh yeah and he goes people waste time here because everyone's complacent here and i'm just like yeah i was like you know the whole term um you know hard times complacency so, kills yep builds hard 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 people and then uh you know hard people make easy times and easy times build yep you know make soft people soft people you know mm -hmm. um and i get that so but and it was just That's his perspective so is, is great you know what i mean because that dude that dude works like four jobs man like running four different things at the same time he's like oh this is great he's like I would never have this opportunity in Nigeria. Never. It's kind of so, like what you were saying earlier with kids. You know, when you give them everything, they come to expect it. And some of the people that I've met that appreciate what the United States has in it the most are people that did not grow up here and came from somewhere else. And you go and talk to a lot of Americans that have lived here their whole life. They don't appreciate it the way somebody else can because they have had everything mm -hmm. you can go to walmart right now and buy a, a set of shoes for 20 bucks or you could go to famous and buy another set of shoes for 200 bucks if you want to you have options for right. literally everything so right no uh, yeah you're right dude it's it's um hmm, you know mm -hmm. we'll see man we'll see yeah i want I, you know our it's really up to our recruiters and who they bring in you know I mean? Yeah, Zach. Yeah, I'm doing my best. I do your job. I'm doing my best. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, man, you guys have a. I'll be honest, you guys have a fucking hard job, man. Like, you're like trying to sell ice cream <sighs> to Eskimos, man. You know, it's true. It is. What? You're like, yeah, dude, it's a great opportunity. And you're like, I have that here. And like, um, but what, getting it out what there, kills us now is like down the street, like Taco Bell will offer like college now. And like eighteen dollars an hour, and they're like, "Why would I join the Air Force to get your community college of the Air Force and a GI Bill when Taco Bell will give me a free degree as well? Plus, I get a Chalupa whenever I want." I'm yeah. like, "That's eh, that is a good benefit. I can't beat that." Have you heard of a DFAC before? Yeah. <laughs> the uh, um, you want fifty percent off at Chipotle? Yeah. <laughs> I went to a. Uh... I went to a rec recruiting event to go watch and go help out for some things for our, our one of our recruiting squadrons. And it was in, um, it was in California mm -hmm. and there was a bunch of dirt bike riders because we're kind of chasing those kids that are seeking that, you know, thrill. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, super young and went over there to talk to them and stuff like that. And, and I, and I figured out, well, I had figured out, I just got a taste of why it's so hard. Cause I was talking to some of the pros and there were the, the scouts that were, chasing these kids to get on like team honda and suzuki and all these like can-am and stuff like that yeah so you know talking to some of these kids about certain things and they're, i was just like you know what why do you want to do this and they're like i want to get on that team and i'm like why you know and they're just like well that team can can help me with like tools equipment things that i need and like people work on your bikes and and i and i was like oh you know what it came to my head because i got there the night before and checked out um, the, the, the night rides they were doing like test runs and stuff. And there was this one kid that came from, uh, far East County of, of, uh, I'm so the far, the far portion of like orange County, uh, California. Mm -hmm. And he was, kid showed up, his parents 
you know, you see like the the really fancy like there's kids obviously that have money and have all this stuff. This kid showed up with a truck, a tent, his tools in the back, and was taking he had boxes of parts from old other beat up bikes and he just wanted to get on one of those teams. And he was fixing his bike with old beat up parts while other ones that were, you know, kids that had cash or whatever the case had like brand new parts mm-hmm. and all this stuff. This dude was taking hand me down pieces and putting it together. And he went out there and he just demolished those kids. And I was like, man, Good. that's that's pretty cool. I mean, he stayed up until like 2 in the morning. His next run started at 7 a.m. He had grit. Yeah. He had a right? purpose. And he just wanted it, right? Hmm. Then I asked him, I was like, so what's going to be helpful? And he's like, well, I'll make more money. I'm like, do you make money now? And he's like, yeah. I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, I have a YouTube page on how I ride and stuff like that. And he's like, it's monetized. He's like, I got, you know, IG and all this stuff. This kid's making like 75, 80K a year just with some small sponsors on his test rides and what he's talking about and stuff like that. I'm like, well, shit, man, we have a 50 K bonus. That ain't going to be nothing for this kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're just making, you're finding other ways to make money, you know? They do. Yeah. And and in reality, I told him, I was like, man, I really like to hope that, man, we can pick you up and test your metal. You know what I mean? And, and try it over here and Mm -hmm. do some for, you know, go do some for America. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's like, Oh, I think about it. This doesn't work out. I, I might do it. And I was just like, okay. And and at, at the same time, I looked at him. I was like, I was like, I hope it doesn't. I hope it works out for you. Like, yeah, I really do. I I, I want to see you win. I want to see mm-hmm. you going to crush it. And he kind of looked at me. I was like, Yeah, just go whoop that ass, dude. I was just like, mm-hmm. Just go do your thing, man. I was like, You got to do what you got to do. And he was like, Who? And we went out there, and that kid won. Like, he crushed it. That's awesome. Um, and he was just mean on the fucking track, dude. Mean. And I was just like, Yeah, damn it. Should have told him no. Never mind. Fuck that. Come with us. <laughs> um, I hope you fail. <laughs> go out there and uh, um, Tanya Harding his bike and stick it right in the wheel. Like, oh, what? Sorry, bro. You said you said, you said. It work out. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, no nah, man. There's there's a whole bunch of stuff out there. So, but um, yeah, uh, dude, whatever you guys got. What else? You know, this is just as. You were yeah. you were talking about how like the the pipeline today is obviously like changed and stuff, right? And how it's like evolving to make people, uh, I guess, better at it and all in in that realm. Um, obviously, with the global war on terror is over, and we're probably looking at potential conflicts with China or actual like peer to peer government to government type threats. Uh, how do you see combat controllers evolving or needing to evolve from? That type of fight do you think their mission set will change or do you think it'll still stay relatively the same hmm. so one thing um one thing my profession within combat control is we evolved right we evolved during yeah. during gwat like in the beginning and our, our our biggest like bread maker was like being jtax right um obviously you know the assault zone and uh, mission is always necessary, um, but uh, and being able to do that in the beginning, um, and then bringing everybody in, and then we just made our money in that, being really good at being JTAX, and we produced them. Mm-hmm. And we evolved right for that specific, you know, conflict. Um, me personally, I don't think G whatever is going to go away. There's always going to be some turd out there with an ideology that wants to do something. So we're always going to find a way to go. Always you know, find fix find fix and finish his ass and him and his buddies and be like, yeah, next. Cause that's an ideology, man. You can't kill an ideology. Mm-hmm. This is tough. You know? Yeah. Um, 
Go over so, there, put some warheads on foreheads. Yeah. You know, um, but uh, with that being said, uh, will it change? Yeah, probably. And and we'll adapt and we'll we'll find ways. You know, there's with with change like with war funds and things like that change. So does so does capabilities, because then, you know, it's it's on us to determine and come up with better ways to fight, sleeker ways, whether it's through cyber, whether it's through different all this white you know special reconnaissance out there. You know, those guys are gonna do great things. Um, right. And, uh, and and we'll just figure it out, man. Like, you know I mean, there, there's a lot of talk about merging and stuff like that. And mm. okay, like that's cool. Like. You know, we're going to have to evolve. Um, combat control itself is, is, is going it, to, it'll, it'll morph. No doubt. To be effective. Because right, at the end of the day, we want to put guys in the fight, right? Whether the fight's there or not, mm -hmm. we're going to want to be ready for it too. So we'll keep training. And they say, hey, you guys got to go do this now instead. Okay, cool. Like, let's just go do it, right? Um, uh, America needs it, and then we'll do it. You know what I mean? Fuck yeah. So, now, man, the only thing I always, I don't know, man, like we look at other near peer adversaries and stuff like that, and this is just my opinion. Like, yeah, they're a threat, of course, right? I think, for instance, China is a more of a maritime threat than anything else. Absolutely. Because mm -hmm. while we were, you know, smashing um, <laughs> jihadists and stuff like that, they were just watching, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and they're just, they do what they always learning. do. Learning. Well, they're learning too, right? But then they also understand, like, they took our playbook. And then they basically copied and pasted it. It's what they so do, evident. Right? And that's cool. You can do that. But it's like, um, you know, um, when you, it's like the, it's like the, the master and the student. The master knows the fundamentals. He knows all this stuff. And then the student just basically learns it or someone like someone watching him and just learns it. But when that student or that person comes in there, fights the master, the master still has some tricks behind his sleeve that they don't know about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then he's going to win because he uses fundamentals and he still won. Right. Um, I think that's one thing that's going to happen with them. If, if we ever decide to, or if they get, they want to get janky. Um, I think also too, at the same time, um, Man, man, our readiness sucks right now. I think in regards to total DOD, but um, that's just my personal opinion. But um, agreed. But at the end of the day, like we'll pick it up. And one thing that we can do is is fight. Like America can fight. Without. It'll throw down, right? We'll just be like, you know, taking shirts off and be like, let's go, right? We'll we'll do what we have to do. Um. And history's shown we're pretty quick to bounce back. Right. Like, you can hit us hard, mm -hmm. and yeah, they'll suck, but you better be ready because the punchback is going to be tenfold. Yeah. And, and there's not a country that, out there that can match the sort of experience that we have in warfare. Not even close. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and you know, and maybe they're watching this too. And I'll, and I, I tell them straight to face, you know, like it's different on a two-way range. Yeah. <laughs> like you can. You can push all the propaganda you want of all the drills you want and show all your blah, blah, blah out there and your, you know, all these exciting videos that you're pushing out there, this technology and robot dogs that you're using and shit like that or whatever the case. But yeah, dude, like I'd like to see, you know, a robot dog like that, you know, and, and this is where you give credit to guys like in the 82nd or the Marine Corps, um, 
you know, when they're going toe to toe, and that robot dog comes in and, and someone turns a corner on it and just kicks the shit out of that dog, that robot mm-hmm. dog, and just smacks it and beats it up, shoots it, and then turns around and shoots them in the face. They're going to be a little bit. They're they're they've got um, the the shock and all. I th- won't think won't be from like an aerial campaign. Mm-hmm. It'll be from mm-hmm. the ground perspective when they actually face like soldiers, marines, and airmen and sailors on the ground. They're going to be like, yeah. We fucking opened up Pandora's box and now there's no closing it. Well, I've just seen some uh, videos yeah. a lot recently about how the CCP is so nervous about giving their, their military weapons and live ammunition to train that they're using all these simulators. And like you said, like it's a lot different when you're on a two-way range. Well, it's a lot different when you're even on a range versus you're standing there with an Oculus or an Xbox controller, you know, firing yeah. your weapon. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And then... You know, you you talking too about like copy and paste. It's like, yeah, you you've modeled our playbook and you see all these things, and like you can look at certain aircraft that they have that are eerily similar to a lot of our aircraft, and you know, it's just like you're you're going to be a step behind if that's all you're doing and not actually innovating on your own and getting out there and doing these things. It's one of the biggest legs up we have as a fighting force is the experience and then know how and the innovation to go out there and win no matter what. And then on top of that, there's also. Go ahead. Go ahead, Rob. Okay. Uh, there's a thing, too. When we invade Iraq, um, a lot of, like, the Iraqi military, they were they were saying, like, after we captured them or after they gave up, that they were like, what the heck? We, we shot that American, like, right in the chest. He fell down. And he got back up and kept shooting at me. And, like, it's that shock and awe that you're kind of talking about where we don't give up and yeah he's wearing like a plate carrier which the iraqis probably didn't have and they're not used to fighting like a conventional force at the time all that type of stuff but that's that's what it is it's like americans don't give up like you can and your story which you'll, you'll probably touch on later like that's testament to that like we don't give up we continue on right and and that's the thing too like yeah they have you know, if it's a war of attrition, okay, well, that's a different story. They got millions, right? But that's okay. Like, mm-hmm. their same fighting force isn't the same as ours. And, um, you know, their their age population is a little bit different, uh, a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, really, it's TCP, man. Like, it's not like how many, how many, you know, how many of the PLA you see that are, like, just well-fed and nourished and things like that? Not a lot. They're, they're not, right? So when you start knocking out logistics and things like that, and they can't eat and stuff like that, they're just going to give up, especially when their friends, when their when their buddies to the left and right are getting shot in the face and it's just a huge, you know, fighting force is moving forward on them. They mm-hmm. either two things. They're going to be like, it's not worth winning. It's not worth fighting for. And they'll just give up or they're just going to they're going to eat it. They're going to eat the sandwich. Right. And then yeah. mm-hmm. it's, it's really with with people like that or or fighting force that you got to break the will. When right. You break their will. And you collapse it, um, you know, it's, uh, they'll think again. They'll be like, well, shit, now we got to do this, or now we got to do that. We weren't expecting that, you know what I mean? We thought we'd mm-hmm. overwhelm this or that, and it just doesn't happen. I mean, look at look at what happens right now in, in, in the Ukraine. And um, I have mm-hmm. my own personal thoughts about being there, or not being there, but just like the, uh, the everything that's associated with it, but um, like, I'm pretty sure the Russians thought that they were just going to go in there and break the will of the Ukrainians and just wipe the wipe the floor with them, and they were just going to give up. Yeah, they called it a three day operation. Yeah, yeah, they're mm-hmm. like that's pretty ballsy. Like yeah, yeah, right. It's just you got to break the will of the people, and until you break the will, then you're not going to break it. Nope. Um, 
I just think we're really good at that. Our, our, when you combine all the forces together, we can we can do that. Totally like agree. I said, they just don't have the experience of a two-way range, Mm-mm. and they can simulate all they want. You know what I mean? But that, I mean, that's granted. That's what the the optimism that we get on land. It's true. You know what I mean, the, and the Navy is gonna have to do their job. You know what I mean? And I'm, the and Navy I'm has the work cut out for them. Yeah, they do. Um, but man, like sailors want to get in the fight too. Mm-hmm. They want to shoot their. They want to shoot those guns, and they want to start launching stuff. And submarines want to get to work and start launching tomahawks left and right. You know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stuff. So, um, you know, it, it's uh, it's funny because you think like they have the itch, they got the itch, and they want it. You know, always. Um, and that's the difference too. Like I, I don't really think me that the the PLA they want to go. I, don't I agree with that. I don't yeah, they're loyal. They're loyal to the CCP because, you know, if they don't, their family gets killed. Yep. <laughs> they do too, you know? Um, they so have to. They have to. Um, so it just comes down to that. And we'll see, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah. There's a big difference between a fighting force that volunteers and a fighting force that is forced to. Correct. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. You're so- on, so... You want to? Are you? Uh, you want to talk about like some of maybe I'm interested in your from your first missions when you were new as a combat controller. Like, what was that like having to adjust and learn on the fly, and like the improv improvisations you had to make, and all of that. Um, man, it was a big adjustment because um, first places. Well, first thing I did was I was with the Navy mm-hmm. and uh, got to do a um, a vehicle uh, shipboarding. And that in itself was just an eye opener mm-hmm. because I had trained to that point to, you know, carry a lot of ammo, big radios and all this other stuff. And then I never honestly thought that I would be boarding a ship, you know? Yeah. And being in the Mediterranean in the back of a, of a, of an MCADS and, and flying through and then like having to, at the last minute, adjust all my stuff, lighten my load, do all this other stuff. And just, you know, I was just like docked, like, damn. Right. Um, and then later on going to uh, going to Afghanistan, going back to like a heavier load. And then um, uh, depending where you're at, like um, and where I was at in the, in the east, it was um, it was definitely uh, an eye changer mm-hmm. um, because I carried a lot of ammo. But then, man, humping in the mountains sucks out there, dude. Yeah. You know? And you're in high elevation. It's just brutal right so um that in itself was an eye-opener um it's just a constant change you know i there was times where i went from super heavy loads to really quick loads and then i would talk to my buddies like peaches and he's like man i carry four mags dude in my radio and i'm just <laughs> right. like what that's he's nothing like, yeah he's like the the radio is more powerful than the mags and i'm just like okay you know like yeah. Damn. You know, and it's just it comes down to comfort too. Like you always end up ending to do what you want, when you want, how you want, what works best for you. And mm-hmm. everyone's changed. You know, later on in my career, yeah, did I change my 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 setup? Yeah, I did. But it was depending because you know, yeah, um, sitting in the Middle Mission East was a different, right? Um, and uh, you know, being in Africa, driving around, doing things like that, I didn't carry all these things. I had it all in my bags. You know. Yeah things you need but just lighten the load a little bit you know what i mean because you never know how you're gonna have to maneuver and, and get out and dismount and do whatever the case exactly. so it was constantly adapting and changing right but which wasn't a big deal because for us we're always having to adapt and change like um 
the biggest thing was always like powering your radios, like how many batteries you're going to carry. Yeah. Because at the time we we're using big, heavier, big batteries and stuff like that. And, then, mm-hmm. you know, later on we evolved to like using different types of, um, of equipment that basically, um, uh, easier generation of power, um, more mobile, things like that. Um, right. Used to, uh, where, where some setups that, um, that a company, um, provided us that basically made me be able to, I would be able to plug into, um, the vehicles where I was at and just keep charging my batteries and just like disconnecting and going. Mm. You know, it's a game changer. Money, right. Um, and those things change awesome. from like small batteries to like plate carrier type batteries and stuff like that. And being able to run three radios at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it always just adapted to where you're at and what you're doing and over your experience, you kind of learn yourself too. Yeah. I was never a big fan of like side plates. So I just never carried them. I never put them on. People are like, you should wear them. I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to. I just put mags there instead. So I put two mags on each side and just fucking hope for the best, you know? Yeah. I've never worn side make, plates. Just say. Ounces make pounds, man. Ounces yeah. Either of mine. You know? Yeah. You know? Um, but uh, yeah, man, it's evolved like crazy. So, and mission dictates, right? You know, I never thought that I'd have a, you know, at some point I'd have a digital device sitting in front of me looking at it. I was like, dude, I could. All the things that for the, so many years I used to carry, like multiple radios and all this other shit and GPSs, and now it's on a phone and like a tablet. And I'm just like, oh, mm-hmm. this is fucking great, you know? Yeah. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, but, um, yeah. So, it, what it were... Changes. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, it just it changes, so. Yeah. You just adapt and overcome. So, um, obviously, like, you have all these different things that you've gone through and that you've done, like what were some of your first um, like operations that you did that, you know, you remember that taught you lessons that you carried with you into like different operations, mission sets. And <clears throat> um, man, let's see here. So one thing I took, which really dictated a lot of stuff um, was a friend of mine told me, especially before I left, before I was rolling out my first deployments and stuff like that was, he told me, he goes, hey, man, he goes, because, I mean, and he's, and, and I'm super grateful and thankful that I had a really good set of NCOs that yeah. taught me a lot. Um, and he kind of like, um, he hit me up and he goes, hey, dude, I'm going to tell you something what I, I should have, I wish I would have known when I was younger or when I was first going. I was like, oh, what's that? And he's like, don't do anything your soul can't handle. And wow. I was just like, huh. And he's like, you'll know, but don't do anything your soul can't handle. I was like, all right. So I took that to heart. Like, I was like, cause he was extremely experienced. Um, and, uh, um, he still works and does other stuff. So I'll just call him SI. Um, but okay. fucking awesome dude. Like just awesome. Right. Um, mm-hmm. another friend of mine named Nick. Um, and he did great stuff. Um, and, uh, man kind of told me the same thing and was just like, go handle business. And I was like, all right. Um, so there were some instances where I learned, um, like mounted operations, like being in vehicle trucks and things like that. And I learned the first time out in array out East, um, about being in the back of gun trucks and, and having all my comms and everything and understanding, you know, uh, especially satcom communications and things like that with your angles and dangles with the mountains so high and, you know, trying to get an angle on something, but you can't because, you know, you don't want to put your hands outside the truck or whatever the case is going to shoot your hands off, you know? Yeah. Um, and just be out in the open in the valleys. It just sucked, man. Cause you didn't know where they're at. Um, where I would just learn to the first time, you know, learn 
being in a couple um couple contacts like manning the gun do my things and then um it, it was just like the initial excitement of it mm-hmm. so you just went crazy on the on the heavy guns like just went crazy you know what i mean yeah and i forgot like oh shit i'm the jtac i'm supposed to be fucking <laughs> you know but just super excited because oh, <laughs> at what point where you're you know you're not shooting live targets you know things that are moving yeah you're training and when it's there you want it all you know what i mean yeah you're like i'm mm-hmm. gonna smoke all these fools right right um and understanding like to get get calm like you know and 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 do one things in, in which i learned from a good nco that i had and one of my teammates he was just like you know initial tick would kick off and you know initially before with other teams and stuff it would just be like mayhem just like let it rip dude right and then he would be like, stop. And I'm just like, what? And he's just like, no, we don't even shoot back that much. I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. He's just real simple, man. Stop, mm-hmm. look, listen, and feel. And then the time that it took for us to stop, look, listen, and feel and kind of determine like, oh, okay, we're going to triangulate that. Okay, those dickheads are over there. Perfect. Now I can, boom, get a laze on them, you know, start pulling grids and be like, fight's over. Like, yeah. fight's done in five to ten minutes when before we would have wasted like 20 minutes of just burning through ammo you know mark 19s mm-hmm. and 50s and 240s, 240s. Just going off you know what i mean mm-hmm. you know um so that um learning adjustments to my radios and things like that placements of stuff you know what i mean learning ttps to like how to execute and communicate faster to jets mm-hmm. and get them eyes on target faster yeah you know before it'd be like i would um you know some of my deployments had learned were you know going from like, hey, just give them a grid, right? And just push them to the area. Um, and then start doing talk-ons from like large to small to smaller to smaller. And instead of understanding aircrafts and its capabilities and be like, hey, I'm just gonna push you to this grid and I want you to slew your pod to that and tell me what you see. And then mm-hmm. just like, boom, next thing you know, like we're really in move, like we're, we're in sync already. They know what would have wasted like, I don't know, a couple minutes of time doing these talk-ons and stuff like that. To just directly doing stuff to um, starting getting real big on learning how to um, start things with like an anchor point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like nail something and be like, boom, big smoke. I'm like, boom, that's our anchor point. Everything we're going to do is from that point. And then references would help me out just referencing mm-hmm. easy things, right? Um, yep. Learning how to like battle plan and track and, you know, battle track people and individuals of where they're at, and, you know when the application of like SA came on our radios and things like that and be able to know where everyone was at was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just over time, man, you just learn bit by beat, you know, sometimes per engagement, you learn the hard way, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I remember, you know, uh, supposed to go to this one area. We we're going to drive to a certain section, then dismount from there and start walking. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, we're going to dismount. Cool, man. Like I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll be good with just the, like, these two radios and then learning the hard way then man those things weren't powerful enough to get to the comms that i needed you know man? and it was embarrassing it was and here's the key point when i learned it was fucking embarrassing right yeah that i had to go to somebody else and be like dude i can't get comms bro because my battery these radios aren't strong enough and that should have brought my big radio like mm-hmm. fuck you know and luckily yeah. nothing really happened and then after that never again told myself yeah never again right and it just because when you're out there in those mountains, dude, like you're talking, we're already at like 7,800 feet elevation, 8,000 feet, and you start pushing to 9, 10, like, dude, it sucks. Yeah. You gotta carry that big bitch. That's why I train, you know? Yeah. 
those comms are your lifeline and like you're you right there that combat controller you're the lifeline for so many other people you know if you can't talk then Mm -hmm. what you know that's like your that's your lifeblood right there and 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 it wasn't that i i couldn't talk it's just that i couldn't get the aircraft i couldn't push them out far away Mm -hmm. because then i wouldn't have no comms so i had to bring them in and the thing was they generate a lot of noise right and then it would just blow everything for us and i was like Man, Got I'm you. fucking on a big radio, son of a bitch, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, and then kind of hope for the best, you know what I mean? Like, shit, you know, I'll make it happen. If it goes if it goes off, I'll push him in, and then we'll get we'll be in business, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. up to that point, you're like, you're telling the enemy, like, hey, by the way, we're, uh, we're 20 minutes out from kicking the shit out of you. Oh, we're 10 <laughs> minutes out, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then um, and giving them a heads up, and you never want to give them that. Um, no doubt. Them in a surprise, no doubt, so. But, um. Yeah, man. Um, learned a lot of lessons, you know. Um, uh, communication too. Yeah. Um, man, there's just tons of shit to learn, you know. And I didn't even get to go that much, man. I just, you know, shit happens, dude. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, you Sometimes know, it's not even the frequency at which you're doing stuff. It's what happens when you are actually doing it. You know what I mean? Right. So, mm-hmm. But oh yeah. So, so, but um, I learned a lot. Even from when I got shot, I, I learned a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean. Like, I was going to say, like, uh, I know that you, you're an extremely humble person. Everyone that I've talked to about you has said that and listening and reading about you and, and kind of how you talk about your experiences in the Air Force. But like, um, you know, would you be willing to talk about the situation that led up to, you know, you receiving the, the Air Force Cross and um, that mission that happened? What happened? You know, is that something that you could take us through? Yeah, man. Um, that's easy. Um so basically, I was uh, I was attached to an SF team up in Herat Province, mm-hmm. and um, man, we were kind of like nomads, dude. We didn't really have a place to live, so we placed we kind of lived with the AOB, the Advanced Operating Base, uh, okay. Forward One, mm-hmm. and then we uh, kind of were just going out doing our biz, man. And then, uh, man, to be honest, we had come back from doing some stuff and hired and stuff like that, and then this uh, this one target popped up, and they're like, "Hey, we're gonna go get them." We're like, "Okay," and I was just. I had just cleaned up my radios, rifle, got it all. I was going to take a nap because I hadn't slept in a while. And they're like, we're going. I was like, all right, cool. So no nap. Running, running to the jock and into the talk and then um, start sending out information. Be like, hey, I need some cast because it wasn't planned. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. kind of started looking at other other things taking place and, um, and uh, like, figure out, okay, like, medevacs, how's that going to work? And looking right. at the target location and, you know, Tracking them and looking at them. Okay, he's got a, he's got a five to seven man force, maybe ten, twelve with him. Okay, no big deal. You know, we have a small partner force with us. We're gonna go in there. We knew the area pretty decently. We had some operations in there previously. I mean, we couldn't drive in it. So you had to walk it. And it sucked. Right. Then you're just asking to get blown up. You know, the 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 alleys were so narrow that if you would have been, you know, they would hit you with an IED, like you were toast. You would have burned to death in there because um, there's no way to get mm-hmm. out. Other than um, you know, trying to attach to a, a burning, you know, MRAP is, is not really easy. Yeah. That's... Um, so, um, man, we loaded up, did our targeting piece, put the request in. We were going, we were going with the air, not regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, built a plan real quick on a route. Everybody knew the route. Our, 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 our partner force we had, we literally had them for like a fucking week, dude. So they weren't that good big target other guys other people were a little bit busy and they couldn't so we said well let's go get them yeah so uh 
went out there, drove to a certain point, did a video, got out of the vehicles and started hauling ass on foot. And when I say hauling ass, like hauling ass, like moving. Um, Cause in the dark, you know, speed in the dark is your friend, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So moving under nods, finally I get a, uh, an MQ, uh, I'm sorry, an ISR acid check-in. He knows the route. And I was like, hey, every time we get to a point, I want you to hit it with your IR laser and just mm -hmm. tap it. So we know, all right, we're turning left here. And then, you know, turn right. Just confirming what I had built because everything you write sometimes and what you see on imagery isn't always what you see in real life when you get there. That's pretty cool. Like the the earth changes, you know what I mean? They they move yeah. canals and shit like that and yeah. things like that. So, you know, where you think there was no door, there's a fucking new door there. You're like, oh, shit, you know? Um, right. So highly sympathetic village too, um, to the Taliban and those dudes. Oh, damn. So, um, and so we were moving out. They had a really good early warning network, you know, so we, we came in a different approach. Mm -hmm. The the ISR asset was kind of giving us like hands like, boom, here, turn left here. I'm like, boom, everyone saw it, move, move, move. One of the points, you know, where we where we had planned wasn't really there. It's, mm -hmm. it's like something like wiped it out. So we're like, now we can't go. So found a different way, catch up, get to it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, ODA with our with our small force, like, it was like six or seven A and A troops, really. Right. Um, and um, kind of get to there, and we get to our last cover and concealment point, man. And uh, like I'm talking to the aircraft, and they had basically um, in the compound where he was at, um, they had two guys on the rooftop with AKs. Mm -hmm. You know, they had a dog in the back, and we're like, okay, everything's still the same, nothing's changed. You know, um, at that point, I had some F-16s check in. And I kept nice. them really far offset and make sure the eyes on and, mm -hmm. and uh, kind of moving forward. And, you know, the first portion of the team goes up for their little breach point and try to go in. Um, and then, man, they went in and went hot. And next thing you know, it was it started shooting. But the thing was, the the lighting was a little bit off, like the the uh, the illumination. So, I mean, we could clearly see um, with our nods easily. They obviously mm -hmm. don't have them, but they had like a really kind of not an advantage being at the, at the high ground like that but um 20 feet tall walls man like and you just look down you can kind of see like shadows and shit right so they're just like spraying and praying what everyone gets to run in right so they go in you know i'm with the ground force commander we're moving and uh i turn the corner and then um i'm looking down the alleyway and then i just see some somebody come out of a door with something long and i'm like oh Fuck. He's got a fucking heavy machine gun, you know? Like, here we go. Shit. So I post up on this wall, not even thinking about really the two guys on the rooftop. Because mm -hmm. they were, at the time, I'm pretty sure they were they were trying to look like where everyone was at. Mm -hmm. Me and this interpreter push up next to this wall with this big cow. Start laying down <laughs> oh, no. that. Yeah. And that poor cow took some heat rounds, you know? <laughs> he took some rounds. And then we got rid Ground of that beef. threat. And by the time I look, yeah, they're already inside the in the house and I'm like in the compound I'm like oh shit we gotta go mm -hmm. you know so I tap my interpreter he hauls ass and then I come in behind him and that's when the whizzing just like coming by I'm like oh, they see me mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah you know, like mm -hmm. damn so I'm up they see me I'm down it. yeah so man I was probably like like if if it, if it was it was like a good 40 yards to, to get in there uh maybe no no I take that back maybe like 20 yards to get there but the speed that I would that I ran, like the NFL would have been like, we want him right now. Like, <laughs> Combine numbers. Nobody, yeah, nobody First was on the ass. 
Nobody wants yeah. to get shot in the ass or back no. of the legs or anything like that. You know what I mean? So right. I'm like hauling ass. Um, and then uh, I come right in the compound and um, and uh, sure as shit, man. Um, uh, my ground force commander got shot in the back of the leg real hard in the kneecap and it kind of went down his leg and Damn. Kind of messed up. Shit. So, um, you know, listening to the calls that they're making and stuff like that and, and our target had basically gone underneath and came out the other side of the other compound right next to it. So we're like, oh shit, you know, like they're sneaky and that guy survived for a reason, right? Cause he's sneaky. Right. Um, mm -hmm. so we're in the same house, our exit point, we try to hit out, man, they bricked the shit out of that wall and you know, they just didn't have enough charges to blow it really. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of stuck in the same house. Um, the only way in is the only way out. And then, uh, that's like the worst case scenario. Yeah, so when we start, you know, taking heavy effective fire from the rooftop to to our east, a little bit mm -hmm. to the southeast, um, and trying to, uh, my deltas that I had with me, um, uh, Mike and Spence, who are awesome, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're taking care of the ground force commander, we're making comms, we're talking about what we're going to do next and get out of there, and uh, stacked up on a on a doorway trying to um, just defend what we were having. We had one window. Um, that was facing south, mm -hmm. and uh, the they're chucking like small fucking hand grenades. There's like an RPG that's coming from the southeast, just like banging shit, and the walls hitting. Jeez. And I'm just damn, trying to get comms. You know, I'm telling, I'm, I'm talking to the birds, and they're giving me updates, and I'm trying to pass the updates. But my ground force commander is like, you know, going into shock. Right. So I got a, another team sergeant telling me stuff, and you know, he's like, oh, drop a bomb on there. I'm like, yo, we know how close we are to those dudes, dude. Like, it'll kill us all. Like, no. You know, right. Um, so, um, trying to figure out a plan real quick, and because uh, we didn't know if we we're just gonna fight our, fight our way out or just you know hold what we got. Mm -hmm. And uh, and during this time, I'm talking to the the ISR and and everything, and they're just like, "Hey, man, you know, we see these enemy fighters, blah blah blah." And I was asking for a count, and they're giving me a count, and we were expecting, like I said, maybe like twelve at the most, twelve to right. fifteen at max, right? When he started talking, like twenty two. You know, twenty-seven. I'm like, oh shit! Wow, like, there's way more than we That's thought, right? Really... That's not good. Um, no, and they were literally probably like, I don't know, forty-five feet from us, uh, other side of a wall. Holy shit! So with a stairway in between us, you know what I mean? And I was just mm -hmm. like, shit. Mm -hmm. So I'm passing this information, um, seeing where we're gonna go, and then, uh, yeah, man. At that point, like, frag hit the closer to the doorway. The warrant officer next to me was awesome, dude. Um, was trying to do in the middle of a mag change, but he didn't want to give a position. So he, he, I told him I got it, and I, I mm -hmm. took his position while he fixed his shit, you know, and was getting getting into it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and at that point, I was listening and I was looking and looking and looking, but I couldn't get a good viewpoint on them because I wanted to see them where they were at. I want to see what I'm going to target. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't like being, you know, um, eyes away. So I stepped out. You know, I mean, took a couple shots, and the man, I just took one in return. Um, Fuck. uh, you know, getting after it with those, with those two dudes. Um, and then, uh, man, I just like fell to my knees, um, you know, shooting back and they just kind of fell. And then, man, I was just trying to breathe and like, like time stopped for me. Like, I was just like, dude, what just happened? You know? Um, and then, uh, trying to get some words out, but it's just like blood's just coming out my mouth and uh, I'm like, damn the shit on my nose. And I'm like, fuck dude. Damn it. So, uh, 
and I blame myself for that. Like, fuck, you know? Um, but, uh, wow. yeah, I look back, I, you know, reach back, yell for my buddy Mike, and uh, Mike comes and grabs me and drags me in and keeps me right next to the doorway, and we start, he starts going to work. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, my lung had already collapsed, and it started, like, you know, essentially uh, strangling me. Um, Jesus. And uh, and I couldn't breathe, and, you know, I was telling him, and he wanted to take my kid off. I'm like, don't, I can't take my kid off, because I was pointing at my ears. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like I got to hear what's going on, and, oh, and listen to the chatter, the, you know, right, um, the vipers are, are talking to me. They can't get comms. I can't talk. I'm trying to talk. It's just blood over and over, and I'm like, dude. Holy cow. So he just opens the side of my cummerbund of my kit and then just mm-hmm. finds my exit wound, but he knows I can't breathe, so he hits me with a needle decompression. And then, uh, yeah, man, like, after that, like, I was just like, oh, fuck, I can fucking breathe. Wow. And I was listening because there was some other stuff going on, so I told him I'm back up on the net. And then, uh, man, we start working, you know what I mean? Like, I'm back up on the net, start working, mm-hmm. um, and uh, kind of get after it. Um, and, um, yeah, it's just, um, once I was able to breathe, I was telling Mike where I was hurt and he was patching me up and I was just talking to the planes and letting them know we're going to proceed with the strike and, um, you know, talking to my ground force commander and we had a conversation previously about this thing just in case. And then we did. And, um, and it just came to, it came to like what, what was necessary, you know, mm-hmm. um, doing your job. I, I, I gave him the, you know, cause he's like, what, what are our options? And at that point we only had, um, F-16s with bombs, guns, mm-hmm. uh, ISR with some hellfires, and I was like, we can go for that, but we got to do the rules of engagement still, and I got to do show of force, so we did two show of force, show of force with flares, mm. and then the Vipers ran out of gas, and I was like, damn, but some A-10s checked in, and, you know, um, wow. talked to those talk to those guys and um, let them know what was going on, how we're going to execute, and then uh, basically just, you know, recommended a, a high-angle strafe with 30 Mike Mike guns, and um, you know, the ground force commander, you know, his name is Ryan and, you know, men, you know, people give cred, right. They give cred to like, you know, to a JTAC or someone like myself, you know, that was right. in the position doing what we had to do. But at the end of the day, that ground force commander, everything falls on him. It's, it's mm-hmm. his responsibility. Yeah. He's the one giving me the, the ground force commander's initials to, to execute. Mm-hmm. And I can't do it without his approval. And he just said, do it. So man, I did it. And, Gave the call and we went hot and next thing you know we got thirty Mike Mikes coming within danger close within like ten meters, which is less than thirty Dude, feet. Yeah. Um, oh my god. Just that's very close. The building, you know, comes in with number two and then just crushes them. It was like dead silence after that. Um, but that was kind of strange. And then after everything. Yeah, and then uh, you know, we're like, all right, at this point we're 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 like the targets. You know, we hit the building. Let's get out of here real quick and then consolidate. So everybody just gets up and uh, he's like, "Hey, I want another, I want another strike to cover mm-hmm. us." I'm like, "All right." So, you know, Mike helps me up. I'm like bleeding everywhere. Um, and uh, man, we hit we hit with another strike. And um, and as the as a method of cover. Yeah. And um, and basically, um, man, it was. It was rough, dude, because my ears were all blown out, like, you know, and then we just, we had to move a click over, well over a click to an HLZ, because the original one was planned only, like, 200 meters to to our uh, west, mm-hmm. and uh, the the Kazavak was like, hell nah, we're not flying in there, that place is fucking dangerous, man, we'll get shot down, and we're like, 
fuck, man. Like, come on. She goes, just breaking contact for how far? You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're like, just go go to the south. And I'm like, dude, that one's like over, dude, it's like a mile away. And Mm -hmm. dude, we humped it. Like when I told them, they were like, they were pissed. Like my team was pissed because we had some other guys wounded some other NA troops wounded and shit like that. Yeah. They were pissed. And I'm like, dude, I I don't, I mean, I'm trying to, but they're, they were coalition. So they weren't. And and granted, Uh... their aircraft wasn't the same as ours. Like if we had a U.S. aircraft, it would have been a different story. Yeah. But they just weren't prepared for that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. So. Man, we humped it and fought it out all the way to get there. My lung collapses again. Mike hits me up. I go out there, <laughs> set that... up an HLSD, you know, all fucked up. And then I'm, like, going into shock myself. And, you know, Mike's keeping me alive. And then finally, dudes come around. with an, They come with an uh, – this time they come with an armed escort of, like, their own ver- version of um, Apaches. Mm-hmm. And uh, and those dudes land in a HLZ, like, in a, in a compound just to the east of us. And they're like, come to us. And I'm like – I'm like, fuck you, come to me, dude. We, dude, Hell yeah. like, you're you're in an un unsecured HLZ, and we're over here, and I even marked it for you. Yeah, like, and we have to take the compound if we got to go in there. And they're like, they're like, oh, it's just not secure. I'm like, no, we have it secured over here. And they're just like, <laughs> we're leaving. <laughs> oh, whoops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they finally finally come and land, and we load up. There wasn't enough room for everybody, so you know half the team is going to go on foot. Damn. We had already pre We had already pre coordinated a, a corridor with our some of our coalition force and, and some US troops mm-hmm. um, not too far and uh, basically at that point dude I was like pretty much fucking dying at that point I couldn't even I could, like the fact that you uh, made it a mile there in the first place you know after all that yeah and then like I said Mike had to give me another needle D because my lung popped again and um, and I was just like fucking hurting man and um, and I was like Helicraft land, helicopter lands and then we just load everybody up and I'm like the last one to get on because I'm like I'm trying to do a count I'm like okay one two three four okay plus Mike plus me you know um, and then I look over at the team sergeant and I'm like yo you know they're gonna contact you on this tad you know what I mean on this on this net you know and uh, they give them a call and I was just like trying to talk to them while we we're um, I was barely like it's not like I could just jump in there like I like slumped in and I was just trying to pull myself up and then Mike you just get your fat ass in here so oh my uh, God. and he gets me up and he's like they're trying to stabilize patients and Mike's trying to talk to the the coalition like medics on there he's like we need to get the fuck out of here and they're just like no we want to stabilize everyone and he's like dude we're gonna get fucking killed over here like they're gonna hit right. us with rockets they're like oh shit and then they close the door yeah. you know and I'm trying to get comms and tell them and dude honestly I just fucking <laughs> passed out like that's all I remember because um, yeah. they made calls and they continued down for another like uh, I think it was like another like five six hundred meters they kept moving um, until they hit that corridor and that was a little safety way for them to get to their vehicles and get back and then I remember the flight into Herat like where we landed and I just like at this point because we left at night right mm-hmm. it was like five six a.m. now lights are you know the lights are on the sun's out mm-hmm. and I'm just like being like on a stretcher being pulled in and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm like, where's my shit? Like, Oh dude, what happened? You know? Right. Um, and then, uh, I got treated at a, at their, their field hospital, which wasn't the best, but, um, mm-hmm. um, but Mike was sitting there keeping me alive, you know, and telling him what was going on. And I got this freaking, um, uh, Lithuanian hand surgeon, like just <laughs> jacking around with my, in my entrance and exit wounds. And, you know, they're trying to get me going and, Sticks me with a with a chest tube 
and he yeah. fucking misses. That dude missed, Ow. yanked it out, and I got up and I wanted to deck that dude. I um, bet. It woke me up real quick. Um, and then yeah. laid me down. They're just like, hey, what medications? And Mike's like, you didn't take anything right? I'm like, I didn't take shit because we have our lollipops and stuff. I'm like, I didn't take shit. And they're yeah. like, this guy didn't take no morphine, no nothing? I'm like, nah. So Damn. Um, then they they were nice enough to, you know, these give me another chest tube and not miss. Um, oh, and then, uh, yeah, so then uh, it was uh, it was wild, you know, because then, you know, the a U.S. bird came to come get me. Mm-hmm. Um and then um, a U.S. bird came come come get me, and, and those dudes were awesome. Load me on the stretcher. Next thing you know, I woke up and I'm in Bagram. Some of my boys that were that were actually you know hightailing it out, going back right. home. Um, and I got to see them for like a little bit, and then Damn. And that was that, dude. Like, just you know, when those type of situations, man, like it, you know, you fall back on like one thing we always do is like we fall back to what we what we did through to get to where we're at, right? Mm-hmm. Um, was that the hardest portion of my life? No, I think going through the selection process was a little bit harder. Jesus. Um, so, <laughs> like, it's just a the it, you our selection process is build up, builds the the determination and grit to get through and just like stay calm, do what you got to do and get through right. Um, so when the when the moment when the moment arises, you can rise to the to the occasion and get shit done. Mm-hmm. That's really what what comes down to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's how that's how it how it ends up you know it just it works out that way it's Um, just like to me listening to you talk first off like you're explaining these things after getting shot and then you're the needle decompression like that had to be so excruciatingly painful but you're just talking about it so lightly you know and then to talk about how calm you are making these decisions in such a dynamic environment of everything going on around you like that that's incredible just listening to you talk about it in such a with such an ease i guess well at the end of the day you know those dudes rely on me right they're mm-hmm. they're their fathers their brothers their husbands they're you know they 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 mean someone to some they need they, they they're of, of importance to somebody mm-hmm. and guys in our position like this is what we do like we're not going to let anyone down like i'm not going to be a burden to them they're not going to carry my fucking drag my ass out with all my kit and everything and get me out of there like i just right. bring my burden so like nah i don't i don't no thanks right um mm-hmm. so just get the get the shit done like get the mission done do what you got to do you know if if it, if it costs you your fucking life well shit man that's what we signed up for like we knew the risk like right everybody knows the risk when you leave the wire like mm-hmm. it's a war zone yeah you know um and you're at war those dudes want to kill you and you want to kill them you know yeah um you know and that target ended up being fucking vaporized man and then on top of that when we were exfilling you know it was massive explosions because they had a ton of ammonium nitrate over there and it just blew that place up to hell you know and this is where i learned like things from like my buddy sal was like don't do anything your soul can't handle man and and unfortunately i heard a lot of screaming and shit because those people were right burning to death there was like 40 plus people in there man you know that's not even including women and children you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. shit dude you know and when you hear him like screaming, like dude, that shit sits with you, like you don't forget that. Right. Um, but the, the bigger thing is like the way I understand it too is I look at it this way, like man, I got put, I got, I got put to a test, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm not saying I passed with an A plus, but I passed. You know what I mean? No doubt. Um, 
shit, doctors go to school and they're at the bottom of the class, but they're still doctors, you know? That's true. <laughs> right? They call those, you they know? call those captain. <laughs> captain. So, but, uh, you know, what, what, what America, I wish we could, man, but we just can't. But within the community, we know we have, we have other controllers that are doing fucking great work, man. Yeah. We have guys that are known SMUs just kicking ass, just, and they were doing it on the daily too, man. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, so the credit isn't like, it's not like I ever did this shit for me. You know what I mean? I did it for every other fucking service member out there for my right. own teammates, the ones that we lost. Um, I did it for the fucking revenge. You know what I mean? Right. We should, you know, a, a good NCO friend of mine told me one time too, and he was a pipe, he's a pipe hitter. Even now to this day, he's a pipe hitter. His name is mule. We call him mule. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was always saying, man, fucking never forgive and never forget. And every time you went, it was never forgive and never forget against our enemies. Because they took mm -hmm. something from us that we, that, that we loved, and there's mm -hmm. no forgiveness for that. So you just fucking pound them, right? Yeah. Um, and, and our boys are doing it right now, you know? every They're still doing it, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, yeah. probably not public or whatever the case, but, like, at the end of the day, we're still doing work. Hell yeah. And we yeah. got to prepare for the next fight, you know? Um, and this shit motivates our guys, you know? And, and I, I hope that our guys go on to do other great things you know I, I i don't wish for our guys to you know to pass doing it um of course there is a price to pay like this shouldn't there's a price to pay you know mm -hmm. um you know I, I i'm blessed that i have you know i am in the in the company of of fucking heroes man you know that are out there yes. i see them every day um i know a lot of them my own buddies that went on to other units to go do great things those dudes are you know um you know, the Army and Navy have their great entities and their own units and shit like that that do stuff. But, yeah, you know, the Air Force has some phenomenal fucking heroes. Without a like, doubt. You know, and, and and every day is what they do. So, and that yeah. gives them credit. They deserve it. So, so um, one of the things that, I, you know, obviously like checking up and reading about you, because there's a lot about you out there. Um, but one of the pilots of the A-10s that day said he had no idea that you were wounded until like the third strafe that he went by. And, um, you know, yeah. how, how do you stay that calm? Like, obviously, like, I, kn I know that you guys get put through all this training and stressful environment so you can learn to control your mind and all this stuff. But like, obviously, like, there has to be more to you can't just train somebody to do everything, you know. So how do you stay so calm in a situation like that? Um. I don't know, man. Like, you just do. The expectation do. is set, right? Mm -hmm. The expectation is set. Yeah. Right. It's you're expected to perform. Mm -hmm. So, just do. Like, you gotta yeah. get it done, right? Yeah. It's like a, you know, when you're focused on something and 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 time is against you and you're just trying to get it done. Mm -hmm. And there's plenty of other variables that are going on outside, you know, things like that. Or you see some people that are just at work doing something you're so in work you're in the moment doing it you just got to get yeah. it done yeah um, and it does you no good to be like yelling and screaming you know what right I mean? um so if you're calm cool collective you just get it done getting your yeah you're able to do what you need to do yeah um and like again like i had dudes that were you know they they relied on me mm -hmm. All right. i was just focused to get it done like i i cared more about you know, killing the bad guys and getting out of there than anything else. So, right. That's what, it's just what mattered. So, yeah. Are you, are you familiar with those, uh, Go ahead, with those A-10 pilots? Um, 
obviously it was like danger, like close, close, like very close. Were they shocked at all when you were like, like, hey, I'm like, I'm like 20 yards away. Please don't hit me. Or did they like fight you on it at all? Or were they were they calm and collected as well? Like just ready to go? They were super calm and collective because they knew what was going on. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, they um, uh, how do I say this? So, like, I give a I give a ton of credit to those guys, right? Um, because at the end of the day, those two pilots, you know, this is my own personal opinion. Right? We have great fighter pilots in the Air Force, but I couldn't have asked for a better, you know, set of guys to come support me and support mm-hmm. our team. And those guys are the best fighter pilots in the fucking world, straight up. You know right. what I mean? No doubt. Um, and um, uh, they just, like, th- during the process, like, during the actual process of instituting, like, instituting, like, the nine line and putting that information out and and putting that, they, they have their own measures. They have mm-hmm. their own uh, items that basically um they have their own items and things that they have to check off the box and i mean we talked about it like you know and i wasn't saying we had like a lollygag conversation but they're like you go through the mm-hmm. process and i tell them I was like hey man danger close less than 10 meters and they're just like uh say again did you say less than 10 meters like yeah 10 meters there's like you can tell in their head is probably like damn you know yep um yeah at the end of the day you're putting them to the test too right right mm-hmm. they gotta they gotta put that weapon on target hard with perfection mm-hmm. because they know now at this point the closest friendly is 10 meters away that's literally probably it's kind of like on top of you you know mm-hmm. um and obviously they're like well we need to ground force commander's initials I'm like yep psh, romeo victor kilo you know yep at that point you know it's a go right yeah um, so yeah um they they understood that um and moving through with it so it's just uh man those dudes are the best. Like, yeah. And I, and I can, you know, probably some other people, it's arguable, you know, whatever the case. Always. Other people will be like, well, that's, well, that's debatable. Mm-hmm. Not. Yeah. No. Not for me. <laughs> not, not that day. Not, not that situation. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, and that's what I, I look at it towards, right? Those dudes mm-hmm. were, and they're the reason why, you know, when we do say some, America has the best fighter pilots in the world, you know, the Air Force does. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm not saying we do. Not good baby pilots. There's, there's great ones, man. Yeah. Shit, they make yeah. a movie fucking Maverick out of it. You know what I mean? But, right. Yeah. Like that. But uh, but we had Iron Eagle, you know. So but uh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we just but we just do, man. Our, our, mm-hmm. It's good. Simple. Yeah, we do train our pilots yeah. like three times as much as any other country. It's it's right. it's needed. It is needed. Um, it, it's it's definitely it's definitely something proven just in like your scenario. Did those right. pilots give you any? Like obviously they knew it was a very like, I'm assuming the pilots probably understood that that could have been, you know, the last time that your team or you could be potentially alive. Did they did they give you any parting words before they came in and rained down freedom? Yeah. Or did they just keep it cool to just normal comms? No, cool, calm, you know, take cover, God bless. That's it. I mean, what can you say? Uh, what can you say? Yeah, really? yeah. You know what I mean? yeah that's true. That dude, and probably, you know, on their targeting system and looking at it, they're so, like, you have to remove the emotion out in that instance. Mm-hmm. Yes, nice. The emotion probably yeah. drives the incentive to to be a perfectionist in that instance because he needs to be. But, you know, um, 
I'm sure at that point they've heard other JTACs in dire situations too, and they were just helping out. Yeah, yeah. they're just doing their job, you know, just like me, just doing my G job. Nothing crazy. Yeah. Did you Are ever you familiar who the exact pilots were? Yeah, I know them. Yeah, they're, okay, they're cool. awesome. They're they're still operational, so I don't like to throw their names out. And they're, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. That makes sense. Are you familiar with the term "pressure is a privilege"? No, but I like to know. So yeah, so the pressure is a privilege, meaning that when you are trusted to be put in a situation that has a lot of pressure or to perform, that that's a privilege that somebody trusts you to do your job, you know. And so, just sitting there describing, listening you describe what you do, you know, when you're working, it's like you seem to embody that, you know, that pressure is a privilege that you thrive on knowing that people are relying on you to do your job and you understand that it is indeed a privilege to be counted on to that measure. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That, that lines up. Yeah. You know, and you know, I tell people all the time, like, and I tell my young candidates and stuff that I get to see and stuff like that. I'm like, Hey man, it's a privilege to be here. Like, yeah, there ain't nothing like, you know, they look at me and they're like, Oh, there's chief or whatever the case. I'm like, yo, I ain't nobody special. <laughs> Like at the end of the day, Debatable. I had, right. I had a, I had a special opportunity mm -hmm. and we work and in you a, seized it. In a, and, and we work in a profession that gets the special opportunities to go do such. Right. That's what, that what, that's the difference, right? You go through a, a selection process to go through things that is highly selective in order to execute special like things mm -hmm. that others just can't do. So. There's nothing special about us. Yeah. Everyone's just a great American. Um, we just have uh, capabilities that are a little mm -hmm. bit different. Not better, mm -hmm. we're just different. Um, that the Air Force needs and we go do it. And um, it's the it's a special opportunity that we have. Yeah. Um, so that, that makes it great, you know what I mean? And, and it humbles a lot of our guys. Because um, like I said, I know a lot of really, you know, man, you see on online everyone's like a special forces sniper ranger all this other stuff seal whatever the case in the, the day man my counterparts that i know and my buddies that i know at those echelons and levels are the most mm -hmm. humblest professional like professional soldiers and airmen and sailors i've ever met in my life and they're the nicest people man like yeah. they're just good human beings right right mm -hmm. um, so i mean all, all the other stuff you see on online or whatever the case is all for the money and i get it mm -hmm. man they're they're trying to make a living right and they're trying to help too they're trying to help from a different perspective but yeah and the ones i know are the most humble and nicest individuals that you could ever meet mm -hmm. um and they're just good people they do great things right you know we have some ex-combat controllers that have their podcast and those dudes are awesome yeah and they give great perspective that you just don't hear from other people what their podcast is that um there's a couple. Um, okay. Let me see here. Um, one's a good shout out to um, to uh, uh, another controller, well, retired, but dude's phenomenal, um, and he gives great perspective. Is uh, Fred Baker mm -hmm. with uh, County Coop Tactical. Okay. Like, just listen to his perspectives on certain things. The dude's honest, straightforward. He gives you a good perspective. And, and that guy has grand experience, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, you know, there's, there's other great dudes that are out there. I mean, we have a, we had a controller that went to become an MMA fighter. Yeah. Like you hear that guy online, that guy's awesome. Young mm -hmm. kid. Great. Right. I've seen um, him. 
yeah connor matthews and um mm-hmm. and dude's awesome right um and uh i mean look at peach yeah jared peach is awesome dude you know what i mean super all those guys yeah funny guy happens to be like you know five foot two but i mean other than that he's great you know <laughs> right <laughs> uh, but i mean he taught me a lot um yeah you know there's they're out there you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and do great things man their perspective is different our just perspective is different because of our experiences and who we have to work with. because we, are, we gotta work with everybody yeah and we gotta adapt to every team every instance you know what i mean we're constantly you know the the odd man out that comes in and blends in um mm-hmm. so it just there's there's good stuff out there you know what i mean um yeah, and just the perspective's different. I think, but so, overall, like I, I think our guys are probably the most humblest out there, and they've done great work. And I can't disagree. You don't read about it. You, you don't. They're right. not in books. They don't have public books. You know what I mean on themselves. There's not the case. There's not. No, because they don't need to. Because within their community, they're already respected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's already it's enough for them. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's. So uh, I know that, you know, 9-11 for you was like one of the biggest reasons why you joined. It was, you know, you, you literally walked away from your meter job that day and found a recruiter. Um, <laughs> and I, I read that you were like one of five service members that got um, selected to go with uh, then Secretary of Defense Leon Panetta to mm-hmm. Ground Zero for a ceremony. Like, how did that feel for you, like knowing what your purpose was and why you came in and being able to do that? It hurt. It hurt to actually go see it and go underneath and see what happened. It hurt. Right. You're just like, because you're like, I can never do enough. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't do enough. Damn. Like, I haven't done enough. It, it, it really did. I mean, it was it was a great opportunity and um, and to meet some of those individuals. But, man, it hurt. Like, it hurt a lot. Wow. You just, you can't help, man. You get emotional and things like that because, you know, you're, you're literally landing, you're, you're standing and looking at areas where, man, we lost a lot of American lives. I've, I've never been, hurts. and I, I want you know, to go very much. It will change your. It'll change your life, man. Like, mm-hmm. You'll see it and read the names and go, like, you know, and it, it, it drives purpose too. It drives purpose to go do more, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's for your mm-hmm. community or it's just to help out or be a volunteer in some capacity with firefighter, whatever, dude. Like, just, yeah, you you get to, you, it it opens your eyes. Mm-hmm. It's what it does. So, I'm not a very emotional guy, and you said person you have been but I would highly recommend it. Um, my wife and I went to Grand Zero, yep, and uh, to go look at it. And it uh, one service member can go in for free, so you just show your camera, you go on in, and uh, it was just very humbling. Um, I was there for a couple hours and I was just quiet looking at everything. And you can go now underneath, and they have like where the towers would have been. And you can read all the names. They put flags in if it's that person's birthday into the name and stuff. And it's it's wow. it's weird. You go there and there's just a bunch of flags, and you're like, these are their birthdays. And you go to the pools. And you're looking at the water drain in, and it just. I was like I said, I was in there for hours, and what's what's unique about it is everyone there is so like it's just quiet. Yep. Like, kids are crying. Um, people aren't like goofing off. There's not like a TikTok video being made. It's very, um, it, it it has a weird aura to it, and I would highly recommend every American to go visit it because it it's a great um, memorial to the incident, and it's very well done, and it definitely oh, yeah. makes you realize uh, what happened. No doubt, it, it does. It's super. 
I cried there. It was very yeah. moving. It does, man. And um, I, I do recommend, you know, we should be seeing, like, field trips to that for schools. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, dude. I, like, I've been there, and I was like, oh, dude, it just made me feel like, fuck, I didn't do enough. You know? Mm-hmm. That's like, a pretty yeah. incredible thing to hear somebody, and for me, right? And to hear somebody, uh, in my eyes, your stature say that you felt like you didn't do enough being, you know, going there is... That's a pretty incredible statement to me. Yeah, it was a privilege. I tell you that. Yeah, you know, to go see it. So, um, you know. Uh, so in another interview, I heard you talk about um, someone. They tried to. Uh, there was, I guess, there was a, an attempt to move your your Air Force Cross up to being a Medal of Honor, and you talked about Master Sergeant John Chapman, and you talked earlier about how there's a lot of. You know, guys in combat control, Air Force Special Warfare that, you know, that don't get talked about enough. You know, I feel like it's really was really important that he's got the recognition that he deserved after so long. Um, You know, so to hear you say that um, and then talk about how, you know, you're you're wearing that the Air Force Cross that award on your chest for all other special operators out there. You know, this pretty amazing thing to say. Well, I look at it this way. So, man, those. So, w- w- when I was up there, when I got asked that question, I wasn't actually even. It wasn't even. It had nothing to do with what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. So, just reporters and they ask questions and that's mm-hmm. whatever. Um, they can. They just want to know. And they were just like, "Hey, how do you? You know, what do you feel about?" It? I'm like, "Well, in all honesty, I really don't care. Like, it's not about me. Um, I mean, we're just happy that, you know, guys like him got the recognition he deserved because he really right. did." Right. You, know, you really look at the data, you look at the film, you look at all the proof. Like, he got, he finally got, we gave him the, the recognition he deserved, right? Mm-hmm. And we still haven't done it enough for, in my opinion, for our other guys that are out there doing it. Um, yeah. Um, and it just, uh, you know, I, when you come down to it, it looks, I look at it this way. Like, it was more of a privilege to serve than it was mm-hmm. the, the, um, to even survive in some instances because you know those opportunities don't come along when you're forced to make decisions and forced to do things like that in dire circumstances mm-hmm. you know it, it goes down in history right and it's written mm-hmm. um, and then at the end of the day um, it, it proves that our process works right it proves like that, that our, our it proves that our 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 training works. It proves mm-hmm. that our system works. And at the end of the day, it, it proves that our men that are out there doing it, um, you know, we, we hold the line and we hold it well, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of where we are. So, um, you know, there's, I, I wish if I had a, had a magic wand or, you know, whatever the case, I would get all the guys that really, you know, did some amazing things and get them the recognition they deserve. Now, and, and, and the thing is, they don't want it. That's the thing, too. They don't want it. They don't care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they just want to they want to go back again and do it again. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Um, because from a, from a different perspective, like, yeah, they, you know, they didn't get they didn't get the recognition they deserve or their their awards weren't, you know, probably at the at the level it should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because the process looks at it and it's like, oh, well, that's, guys, that's your guys' job. I'm like, no, no, no. There's, there's, 
there's criteria to meet those awards. These guys met it, and then yeah. other people, and when I say other people, other AFSCs, other whether it's geos or whatever, look at other civilians, look at them. Well, they're expected to do this. I'm like nobody, ex- like, I hate that. No, no one expects them to go kamikaze themselves, man. You know what right. I mean? And that's only from people that just don't know. Yeah. So that's why I wish we could go back and, and continue looking at it and giving them because, you know, if they found more data or whatever the case, like there it is. Mm-hmm. Give them the credit they deserve, man. You know? Yeah. You know, it don't even have to be, here's the big thing. It don't even have to be public. Like do close ceremonies. Sure. It's not a, you know what, too, at the end of the day, about their kids and their family. Yeah. Right. You know? And the service, right? Right. So, you know, you look do at right by there. And, like Air Force Special Tax 24 stuff like that. Most valorous yeah. units since Vietnam. The most, wow. most valorous wing since Vietnam. Wow. Nobody has done what the 24 has done in collaboration with its, all its entities, you know? Mm-hmm. Nobody. And you can't take it away. Mm-mm. And in some instances, a lot of those guys got cut short. You know, Can't I feel like the, the right. Mm-hmm. No, I feel like the Air Force is really bad in general about awards and recognition, but especially some of those higher level awards. And I hate that phrase of like, oh, that's just their job. You know, that's that's such BS to say something like that to somebody because it isn't, you know, like you said before, you understand the risk when you go outside the wire, you understand that you're at war, but like, it's not your job just to go and to put yourself in those situations and endure some of the things you endure. It's not just your job. That's, that's right. mm-hmm. so, so nearsighted to say, but yeah, that's um, a very annoying thing too. Like I've, I've experienced that in my own career. Like I'm a recruiter now. And last summer I had like an old man, I was just waiting for a package. I was in uniform waiting for a package at the post office. I had an old dude have a seizure. I just caught him, helped him out. Paramedics came up. And then, you know, they, they actually did all the work. I just kind of just held him there for like, like 15 minutes. And then I got my package and I left. Well, I didn't tell anyone about it. I'm probably security forces. So I didn't think to like, oh, I'm going to tell someone about this, get my medal or whatever. Um, my supervisor read it like in the newspaper and then put me in for my medal. And I got an achievement medal for it just, just the other, like a month ago, I finally went through. But oh, I know, thanks, but I know had I still been in like a security forces member and that same thing happened, mm-hmm. there would have been no recognition. There would have been nothing. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're a cop. Like that's your job. Like yeah. you should have, you yeah. should have done that. So it's, it, it is interesting. So it's, many it's times very frustrating. Cop leadership, man. It's, it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I've done way more in my career off duty when I was a cop, you know, like, uh, being first on scene to like a, a a large vehicle accident or like helping someone with something else while off duty, and I would tell my leadership and they'd be like, "Good job, Smith. That's what you're supposed to do. We'll come back. You know, we'll see you at your next shift." And it's like, "Oh, thanks." Yeah. And it's it's it is very frustrating. So yeah. one of the things, uh, another thing I got told to ask you about is uh, your BJJ journey, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and um, how. Oh, dude. Yeah, apparently it's it's got you know gets a little rougher the the older you get. Apparently, it does. You get more beat up, and then <laughs> yeah. everybody wants to come at you, and then you're just like, dude, I just want I just want to learn. I'm not here to break my neck. I just want to, yeah. I just want to have a good time and learn something, man. It's just and that's a rough one. That's always up and down, man. You know, mm-hmm. switching from like standard gi to no gi and figuring it all out, and it's just fun. You know, it's more of a more of a hobby and helps out like with the passion of understanding certain things gives you patience and things like that mm-hmm. that you learn differently 
because um, we're not there out there in the fight anymore, right? And it's just not. I'm not saying it replaces it. But what I'm saying is that like it, it helps me bring patience and calmness like to certain things. Because I'll be in a fuck really bad spot, mm-hmm. and I'll be like, eh, okay, I'm kind of screwed right now. All right, well I'll just <laughs> wait out a little bit of this. Yeah. Do this. Get get an inch here. Get another inch. Okay, now I got a little more leverage. Okay, now I can do this. Now I can yeah. do that. Yeah. And then just slowly get to a better position, right? And and it, I would say it does kind of help with the grit because sometimes you just get grinded out, dude. Because some dudes right. are heavy and sharp bones, and they're just jabbing you, and like, oh. right? Like, okay, here we go. You know? Yeah. And it just builds. I would say resilience in some instances. Mm-hmm. You just tolerate the pain. Yeah. It's gonna end perseverance. Yeah, and the better I work and more patience and and use my technique and I'll get out of it and go okay mm-hmm. cool, you know I'm in a better spot. How long have you done now that? I can yeah, about four or five years. Okay. So, you know, um, but not great at it, but get better. Hey man, you're you're doing day, it though. You try to learn one day every every time you just try to learn one thing, you know. Right. And just get better at it. A little better, yeah. So really the, I mean, Zach, I don't know about you, but the last question I have for you, Rob, um, is if you could say something to young Rob, that, that brand new A1C showing up to your first unit now as, as you know, the position that you are right now, what would it be you would tell your younger self? That's a, that's a, that's a damn good question. Um, uh, Don't marry that stripper. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> That's <laughs> solid advice for anybody, though. <laughs> Every um, airman should not marry yeah. a stripper. Yeah. yeah. But they Don't want that car at 40%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it would have been a... Um, take your time and be patient. Just take your time. Patience. Patience is the key. Right. You know? So, I like that. That's what I would have done. Good to know. So I, I have a follow up to that. So you, you say you take your time, be patient. Um, what what makes you wish you had been more patient? What was something you wish you were more patient for? Because patient I was so with? so aggressive to get things done and so aggressive to do certain things that mm-hmm. I should have took more time. Um, you know, some of us have a natural ability just to pick up something, and get it going real quick, and start learning it real fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you get that way and you start adapting to that type of way of learning and, and executing. You don't, you don't always, um, you'll miss a small thing here and there. And then you got to go back again and redo it again and learn it over and over again. Yeah. Um, with that new ingestion of, of information. So yeah, that's why I be patient and take my time, you know, cause I was trying to accomplish so much more in such a small amount of time. Mm-hmm. When, when I got to that point where, where I wanted to, I would have, it would have been the same time anyways, if I would have just took my time. Yeah. Because, you know, trying to get on deployments, trying to get on this, trying to get on that. When we just waited out, it all, it, it all comes. It was all coming, you know? Yeah. So. I think I do have. Go ahead, Zach. Sorry. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say, I do have uh, one final question though, that I did want to ask you. Um, obviously coming from like the recruiter standpoint, um, I recruit every job and a lot of them, you know, they're all, they're all, every AFSC is a cog in the giant wheel of the air force. 100%. Um, you've said, you know, you don't count your deployments. And to me, that kind of comes off as uh, you understand that every cog is just as important as any other cog in that air force wheel. 
um, what would yeah. you say to like recruiters? And then also, so like I, I can get some advice and then also future airmen that are coming to the air force to kind of like make them understand that no matter what their job is in the service, right? Less than 1%, the entire U S population serves its country. But, um, what would you say to them to make them realize that they are just as important as like you who would, who would be seen in the normal eye of a civilian as like, you know, a war hero. Um, what, what would you say to them? That, uh, man, you know, just like I said before, like every AFSC is a cog in the machine, right? And it's going to mm -hmm. be well lubed, well maintained and running a hundred percent for the whole machine to work. And that, you know, whatever whatever path they choose is is necessary to do a hundred percent effort right because like i said don't really count deployments because there are just some afscs that don't deploy look at our missileers mm -hmm. those guys are probably yeah. like the most important people we have in the threat to knock out our enemy and we need them 100 percent going the whole time yeah. in their cubes in their places in their spots doing it right it's uh it's it's of the best interest of, of our of our country and our uh our our uh, our safety and they have to look at it as, as uh, it, it's just as important as anyone else, right? Mm -hmm. um, because, because here's the deal. At the end of the day, you know, we can't do our stuff without support. Without combat mission support, we can't do it. We just can't. Um, pilots can't fly without the support. Maintainers, things like that. If this is such, you know, if, you know, pilots run the Air Force, and in some instances they say, but those pilots don't go anywhere without a maintainer making that jet run, that crew chief flying it, you know, getting it going, yep. right? Mm -hmm. Without an instructor teaching them. If it's in the air, maintenance put it there. Right. Without, um, <laughs> you know, that, that plane is worthless in the air when it doesn't have missiles and rockets and guns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, if it doesn't have a electronic warfare system that's in there is, that was that was primed and put in there and set up and done by somebody else, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right? So, every, so when you look at the big cog, it's also this where the whole world when they talk about team like teamwork right it's, yes. we have the, like the biggest you know 300 what 373,000 member team mm -hmm. and everyone's got to do their part be a player be in there do your part mm -hmm. it's important other people rely on you you may not know it you know people don't know like you know nobody wants to go down range and go do the things and turns out when they come back they haven't been paid in fucking four months right so you need a yeah. finance person to make sure you get paid yeah right you need a personnel to make sure you're getting credit, time and service, and all this stuff for your, you know, pension and, and all that jazz. Yeah, a little um, important, right? Yeah, yeah, that shit's important. It's important to the person, right? Mm -hmm. um, yep. You know, services, all that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, Do even, the, even the pest control guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody wants to go. Yeah. Into, nobody wants to go to hangar full of wasp and bees and snakes and shit. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. Uh, no one wants a so, bird flying into a jet right? engine. Right, you know, bird <laughs> watch and all that stuff. I mean, you just you do, right? It's all necessary. All those, all those, all those ingredients in the in are, are part of the recipe, uh, recipe, and you got to get it done. Yeah, so, that's it, man. Yeah, that's all I got to tell them, like, do your part, whatever it is, do it hundred percent. It's real simple, you know, because you still you did more than what ninety eight percent of America by oh, volunteering yeah. to yeah. go. And that's yeah. what matters. Um, now I'm saying like, there's a deployment opportunity. Yeah, take it. You know, mm -hmm. if you can take it, if not, and if your one doesn't allow it, okay, that's fine. Mm -hmm. You're still, you're still part of the team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? No, it's true. So, 
I think some people forget I try that, to... that everybody else that is doing their job is we're all still a team no matter what. And from, from your finance troop all the way up to, you know, whatever you are, you're a part of that team no matter what. There's there's guys yeah. that go on national championship teams that never played it down or never played it, never threw an inning. That's true. They're a part of it, mm-hmm. right? They're yep. waiting. Yep. Ready to go. Yep. That's all you mm-hmm. got to do. Yep. You know? That's a very so, good point. I used, to, oh, I, at it. I used to say to a lot, like a lot of my... Uh, a lot of like my airmen when I was in security forces, and I still say it today to like some of the people who are joining the Air Force. Um, uh, Zachary might not like what he's doing or might not be 100% in, but Texar Smith's going to give it his all every single time he puts on that uniform, and he's yeah. going to do it to the his ability every single time. Whether Zach likes it or not, Texar Smith's going to give the Air Force 100% every single time. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's why we pay you. Yeah. Rob, thank you very, very much, seriously, for coming on and talking to us. You know, this this is honestly one of my favorite conversations. You know, legitimately, I, I'm really, really glad that you decided to make the, you know to come and talk to us. And it's very humbling to listen to your story and honestly, really motivating. Like I was sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, I already went for a run today, but I could go for another. You know, just <laughs> fucking get after it because I know that my squidgy edges, you know, need it. So. But yeah, man, it, talking to you is amazing. You are a super humble and motivating person. No matter you know, I know I know you're humble. Don't like to to say that, but you really are. You know, you're an amazing person, and I'm really glad that we got to talk to you today. I appreciate, it, man. I appreciate you guys' time. You know, it's been great. You know, yeah, um, yeah. I would give a shout out to um, if you don't if you don't mind. No, uh, go for it. That, like one's ready, safe house media. Absolutely, um, check them out. They do great stuff. Um, especially if you want to join Air Force Special Warfare. Like one's ready podcast, the best one mm-hmm. out there. Yep. Gives you the best information, go through all their stuff. Um, yeah, man, you know, you get a chance, check out Aaron Loves America. Man, that's that's just a good American, knows the Constitution better than anyone else, than anyone I know, which is a shame because <laughs> I should know more than him. But now, <laughs> you know, now it's that competition. I'm going to start reading and doing more, right? Yeah. Get like better reload it, right? Yeah, I know, right? You know? I love having Aaron on, man. We've had him on twice. He's an awesome guy. Yeah. You, should, you know, he's really good as Trent. Trent Signaler. He said he, that. Trent's, Trent's a, we call a beautiful mind. Yeah, he's super smart. Okay, um, understand so much. Um, I'm gonna ask. Great him. perspective. Yeah, man. So uh, I appreciate you guys, man. Um, he's dead. Yeah. Tell your pop to say hello. That dude's okay, awesome. I will. For sure. Yeah. Thank you. Tell him, for real man. He was a, he was a good dude to me and taught me a lot, and I appreciate him. All right. That's why I, I value support. You know, mm-hmm. these guys like him. I will 100% tell him that, and uh, I know it'll make his day because um, I have heard about you so many times before even like talking about you talking to you so but yeah absolutely um you know so we'll conclude this episode again rob thank you very very much for coming on fire fans please head over to our socials you can find our uh in our bio our link tree you can go instagram we now have a tiktok just want to say um facebook uh, youtube spotify apple Podcasts. please go on there please subscribe it means the world to us it helps our visibility leave us a comment helps boost our visibility and then leave us that five star rating we really appreciate it all right fire fans you guys have a good night we're out